Milk is full of tiny reasons to be joyful. Just listen. Hmm, can't help but feel it's lacking something. That's because milk exposed to indoor light only has a fraction of the vitamins and nutrients our bodies were hoping for. This, though, this is milk from an Aluma-certified light-protected bottle. That's more like it. To step into the light, the bottle's got to be right. Search lightdamagesreal.com. And welcome to the Slash Filmcast. I'm David Chen, and with me are Vendra Hardwar, Jeff Kanata. And joining us today, he makes popular video essays about movies at his YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Patrick H. Willems. Patrick Willems, welcome back to the Slash Filmcast. Patrick, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Just got at the door from the movie and happy to be here. We're glad to have you here. All we're going to do today on this podcast is discuss Avengers Endgame. The world has changed. None of us can go back. All we can do is our best. And sometimes the best that we can do is to start over. I saw all these people die. keep telling everybody they should move on. Some do, but not us. You can find more episodes of this podcast at SlashFilmCast.com. You can also email us at SlashFilmCast at gmail.com. Now, we are going to have a very brief, spoiler-free section of this review. Uh, and I read a bunch of reviews of Avengers Endgame from people who'd seen this a couple days ago. And uh, a couple observations I just wanted to make about those reviews uh-huh. before we begin. Number one is that I actually thought overall the trailers did a very good job of concealing what the main plot of this movie was going to be. Yes. Uh, yes. I thought you, you there know, were hints. There were certainly some hints, yeah. but not quite exactly what was going on. I went back and watched all the trailers after I saw the film, and I was like, oh, wow, Like very little of that was revealed in the trailer. So uh, I was pretty impressed by that. But then what was funny was all these reviews went to great lengths to also <laughs> avoid... Uh, saying anything substantive about the plot of the film. And so you have like extremely vague generalities like emotions were felt and characters met again and uh, tragedies were suffered and losses were, you know, triumphed over, you know, like... You're saying uh, it was all in the passive voice? Yeah, it's it's (laughs) like you can't... can't, It's hard to talk about this movie without talking about the plot. But we are going to try for about... You know, five to ten minutes, and then we're going to dive into the spoilers for Avengers Endgame. Now, Patrick Willems, yes. you, for your YouTube channel, you produced roughly, I want to say, 90 minutes of worth of video essays. I think about, it's, it's more than that, yeah. which is I, I was just talking about in the last month. Um, oh. But, <laughs> but I guess no, I mean, total. Like, yeah. The, uh, yeah, I did this series of three videos on the Marvel Cinematic Universe that, yeah, I think 
I thought it was going to be like a two-parter that totaled maybe 40 minutes and it became a three-parter that totaled like a hundred minutes. So Still kinda... a tiny fraction of Endgame. <laughs> true, true. Yeah, yeah. Actually, thank you, Jeff. That makes me feel better. <laughs> so you, you have spent, uh, I would say you've probably spent more time studying the MCU than any of us, right, at, at this point. Because presumably to make these videos, you had to like rewatch all the movies and edit, like splice in content from the movies and all this. So like for 100 minutes of content, you probably spent at least quadruple or quintuple that amount of time making those videos, right? So Yeah, I, I that it was about a solid month of my life and I have stared at at just the footage from those movies so like I, I don't need to ever watch them again. Let's put it that way. So you, this is a great thing to do with something you love by the way. Just do it so much that uh you, you just you, you learn you to watched, hate it forever. You watch them to completion. Yes, <laughs> yeah. exactly. So I, uh, I would first of all highly recommend anyone watch this series of video essays. I thought it was great. Uh, everyone at Slash Film loved the the essays as well. So just wanted to give you props. Um, it is a great Thank examination you. of the strengths and weaknesses of the MCU. Uh, but the the kind of framing of this series of essays is you're not excited about Endgame, right? You're like you, you're a huge comic book nerd. Uh, and theoretically, Endgame is something you should be super psyched for. But because of the weaknesses of the MCU, you're not super jazzed about Endgame coming out. Now that you've seen Endgame, you just got back from the movie. Are you now excited about Endgame? <laughs> uh, and I'm going to not spoil anything as I answer this question. <laughs> I will say I was looking forward to Endgame, but it was just the kind of thing like on paper. It's like, oh, this is everything I've dreamed of since yeah. I was a child. Why isn't this like my most anticipated movie of the decade? Uh, why am I just like, oh yeah, that, that'll be fun. And, um, and yeah, having seen it now, uh, I am, I, I'm not going to say like really excited, but I, <laughs> I had, I had a really good time and it also, and it surprised me in ways that I didn't think it would. And it actually, uh, sort of almost responded to, uh, some of the, the major criticisms that I've had of of the MCU, uh, just as as like, you know, a, a big twenty two film thing. So so yeah, I'm I'm pretty pleased now. All right. Well, I'm gl- I'm glad to hear that that month of your life making the series of essays <laughs> culminated had a happy ending, right? With you. And I'm the, yeah. Yeah. And I'm just gonna say now, I'm not gonna do a follow up Endgame video. <laughs> I. I, I I've I made think it. You have to. <laughs> Come on. I you owe it to I, your audience, Patrick. I think I think we know who won then, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you're right. I just like after I did those. After I finished the last one, I was just like, I'm. I don't want to ma- ever make a video about these movies again. I just want to <laughs> watch them and have fun with them and not have to like make. Yeah. An in-depth critical piece. You just want to hang your armor up like a scarecrow and walk away. <laughs> you just uh... and make some stew. Exactly. <laughs> You're like the 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 dad that locks the son in the closet with the box of cigars. <laughs> except but, he yeah. did it to himself. Yeah. Yeah. Except you did it to yourself. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Patrick, yeah. uh, I, I dare say that having a 100-minute video essay series where you talk about not looking forward to Endgame and then not making a follow-up video would be like releasing yeah. Infinity War and then never releasing Endgame. This is uh, true. So, you, you know. Your, multiple people have said this to me. <laughs> uh, like, in, like, like, uh, like, so in the third part of um, uh, my video, I had uh, recent 
slash filmcast guest Griffin Newman on uh, for like a discussion section. And he saw the movie yesterday and <laughs> and said and I asked him, like, am I going to have to do a follow up video? And he was like, you you might want to, but probably not for the reasons you think. Yes. Yes. <laughs> So, so now, now that I've seen him, I get what he, what he meant. So I kind of want to hear, I kind of want to hear what we're talking about in the spoiler section, but yeah. Um, so, uh, I got to go to Devinder Hardware, uh, and uh-huh. ask you what you thought of Avengers Endgame, uh, in the vaguest possible terms. And, and, and particularly like we had a conversation on the slash filmcast not too long ago where you were saying like, you weren't really looking forward to this, that the MCU had kind of worn you down a little bit. And so I was really curious if this movie was going to pick you back up. What do you think? Yeah. So I was really in Patrick's camp. Like I was not really looking forward to this movie, um, mainly because I've really soured on Infinity War. I've talked about that in our review and in our top 10, you know, uh, episode from last year. Uh, it was a film that, you know, did a lot. It didn't leave a huge impact on me and the whole final, the whole snapshot bit to steal nice. uh, Glenn Weldon's term. I believe he coined that. Um but none of that really affected me at all. So I just, I really didn't have much hope for this movie going in. I was expecting it to be a fun time, but I wasn't super excited. And have to say, I love this movie. This movie does everything that Infinity War didn't for me. And I kind of understand that now because that was all table setting and everything. Right. But this is a movie that is almost entirely, at least two thirds of it, is like, it, it is just quiet moments. It is just contemplation. It's these characters coming to terms with losing the biggest battle of their lives, uh, with losing the people they love and, you know, half half the life on the universe and everything. And it really explores that concept of defeat. Um, It honestly feels a lot like the leftovers. This is the Marvel leftovers. And I don't think the the slow pace of the first hour is probably not going to be everybody's tea, especially for people coming off of Infinity War, which had like a major battle every five minutes, and we just kept moving in that thing. Uh, this movie takes its time, and I really appreciated that. And it gives every character its due. Um, it surprised me along the way. It was emotionally um, impactful because it took its time. I think uh, I think that's it. Like I came away from this feeling like this is the best ending we could get for the past, what, 10 years we spent with these characters. Um, there's just so much going on. Like, there's a lot of stuff in here. I think uh, a lot of callbacks for fans. Um, but also, I think even a casual viewer of the MCU, um, as long as you've seen Infinity War, I think you could get something out of this movie. There's so much going on, and certainly really strong performances from, like, the core group, especially Robert Downey Jr. we be talking a lot about that. Um I just have to say, yeah, yeah, it surprised me. I did not expect this movie to kind of wallop me, um, and it did. It got me completely. Jeff Kanata, every single time we review one of these MCU movies, you always deliver a rousing monologue <laughs> about your love of the MCU. I'm totally open to hearing that this time again, uh, but curious to hear your thoughts on Avengers Endgame. Well, Dave... <laughs> I guess you could say my thoughts about Avengers Endgame are best summed up in the form of a limerick. Wow, this limerick thing is really odd. Maybe we should explain this to Patrick Willems, who might not understand what the F you're doing, Jeff. Oh, oh I, I don't it's know. It's okay. I, uh, guys, I, I'm i aware of the limerick thing. I, 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 I have heard it before. Uh, don't worry. Yeah, You don't he, need to catch he, me up. I know what's going on. You got your emails, Dave, your threatening emails. He understands the iron fist with which you rule this podcast. He mm. gets it. 
All right. All right. All right. So what's the limerick, Jeff? Full of emotional themes. It wraps the decade-long tale of a team. I wept and trembled when these Avengers assembled because they pulled off my impossible dream. Oh, nice. That's nice, Jeff. Yeah, thank you. It's heartfelt. heartfelt. That was beautiful. Okay, so buckle in, everybody. (laughs) I'm buckled. Here we go. Here we go. Uh, I apologize to everyone that's tired of these already. Uh, I know I get it all the time. I get I get responsive people who are like, "Just Jeff, stop." I'm not tired. I'm not tired of it, Jeff. I'm not. I make. I sometimes make them about me, and I and I. I'm sorry. I bring myself to the theater. It's the only person I'm there with, really. And uh, these. These characters may mean a lot to me. I know Patrick knows what I'm talking about. These these characters were there for me when I didn't have friends. <laughs> it's a weird thing to say, but like that's comic books really meant something to me as a kid, right? And I just never thought this could be possible. The things we've already seen, you know, I've I've talked at length. The first Avengers movie, it, it was an impossible thing. And the fact that this all started organically and started from one film, from a sort of a, a director you wouldn't pick for a big tent pole and a lead star you wouldn't at that time have picked for a big tent pole. Yeah, and like and a, sort C-list, of, a C-list like Marvel character. Yes. Yeah. Well, and not C-list, but yeah, not B. 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 Solid B. 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 Solid yeah. B. Solid B. <laughs> and the fact that that it, it just started building organically and I don't. I know I'm on Twitter. I called Endgame the 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 conclusion of the the greatest achievement in cinematic history, and I got a lot of pushback on that. It's hyperbolic, but I I think I can defend that because <laughs> it, it, this is wildly improbable. The fact that you would have a company like Disney that wants to make money. And needs to make money every film. And that's their primary goal. And yet you have somehow against all odds, you have this first film that makes money. And then you have a team in place that shepherds and protects this universe, this story, this little thing that they're building. And they somehow manage to make a lot of really good movies. You know, that we can argue about how many were subpar. And I'm sure... I would concede even myself that of the 22, not all were home runs. <laughs> but the batting average is very impressive. And each of those movies did something with the characters in, that, in those movies, and maybe they got a little repetitive. Maybe people grew tired of them. I didn't. I enjoyed each of them. And it, they had something to do. They had a thing to do. They had to tell a story of that character and give an adventure to that character. And in the background – weave this tapestry and set the table for this bigger story to come together. And the fact that over 22 films, over 10 years, they lead to something this big, this full of talent, the talent, just the pure talent that they've assembled alone is staggering. And there are multiple moments in Endgame where the movie just shows off the people that are in the MCU, the actors are just like, Look who we've got. And it's it's wildly improbable. It's nearing impossible that they pulled this thing off. So on just that level, it's awe-inspiring. But then, as Devendra pointed out, the fact that this movie 
is willing to go where it goes, is willing to take the time it takes to put these characters through this thing and understands that we have invested our time and our emotional stakes in these characters over years and years and over multiple films. And it is as, it is as, as confident as it is about taking that time and leaving them out of their costumes and not punching anything for so long. And for all the cynics that railed about the end of infinity war and said, Oh, it's so cheap. It's such a cheap gimmick. It's not going to feel important. It's not going to feel real because we know these movies are coming and this is it's just going to be reversed immediately. That was me, by the way, Jeff. That was you. <laughs> yes. I, I wasn't going to name names. That was partially name me name. as well. But yeah. But but before you lay out the screen, Jeff, like it, there are <laughs> there are legitimate complaints there. You know, I, I don't think this movie completely nullifies the problem of Infinity War. It works because it's a good movie, whereas I didn't think like the other one wasn't fair enough. I mean, that's that's yeah. your perspective and yeah. you're welcome to it. I, I, I think this movie proves that it wasn't a gimmick, that they they were invested in telling this story and it had weight and it had impact in the world. And I think it validates that last moment in ways that no one expected. I certainly even didn't. Uh, it, it It feels important it feels like a big thing that happened and they invest in it and they take the time to really work through it and i i mean within two minutes of this movie i was crying it is a powerfully told film and it's a film not just about defeating the bad guy i, I think it's a film about parenthood it's a, i mean i'm i'm a parent so i maybe read that into it more than some who aren't. Oh, it's mind, very, it's very much there. It's, a, yeah. it's the, a the whole idea about, of like preparing the next generation and exactly, everything. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Passing things on to the next generation mm. and how important that is that, that quote that's been going around on Twitter lately about, um, we live in a better world when men plant trees, the shade under which they'll never enjoy. That's what this movie is. That's the, the theme of this movie. That's the message of this movie. The fact that this big, what will likely be the biggest grossing film of all time. Certainly of that... the summer. Certainly of the summer, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I, <laughs> we already know that it it, it beat pre-sales for Force Awakens. It, we but already it, know. Yeah, I think we were talking about the Force Awakens thing and what that movie gained worldwide, like over 900 million. This this movie could crack a billion after seeing it. Jesus. Certainly. It, yeah, but, it, but it's not it's not just popcorn fair, man. It's it's got something to say. It's got something it wants to put the audience through. It's got emotional stakes for its characters. It's got, and, and it has the boldness to actually, you know, do things with these characters and, and take them places and, you know, create what Feige has talked about as this, you know, chapter ending of the, the infinity saga. It's, it's an extraordinary thing, and it's an. Ex I, I think the achievement of building that world and bringing it to this place. If they never made another Marvel movie, I would be. I would be completely satisfied. You know, it is this volume of of things that led to this moment and assembled this level of talent and brought it to bear to tell this tale. What it did to me emotionally, the places it brought me, the, made, the things it made me think about, the ways it made me cheer and mourn and all the things that this movie did, 
I am so grateful I lived during a time when I could watch these movies as they were released, right? It was, I, w- I moved along through this story in real time. And I, I, I am in awe of, of how they managed, like you said, Devendra, to give interesting moments to everybody, make everyone feel essential, have rousing things and, and quiet things and, and, and fit, fitting ends to chapters. It is, it's a beautiful movie and I'm so in love with it. I, I just, I can't believe the experience I had crying all the way through it, it, it tears of joy and sadness and all the things in between it. it I mean, I, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, uh, question in the chat room about can we get a tears count from each host? P- Patrick, you just saw the film. Like when I saw the movie in uh, a theater full of film critics, there was like a uh, lot of sniffles uh, in, in the theater. Yeah. yeah, and I'm curious, like, what was the reaction of your audience? Because none of us have seen it with an actual opening night audience yet. Oh so. yeah, uh, there was uh, especially. Uh, I'm going to try to figure out how to say this without <laughs> uh, uh, without spoiling things. Um, when like the volume of the movie kind of died down mm-hmm. and uh, in like quieter uh, <laughs> scenes so you could actually hear things, I could hear lots of sniffling coming from all around me, uh, <laughs> just like like great, great surround sound sniffling. And Patrick, did you sniffle? Did this move you at all? Did this move your blackened husk of a heart uh, <laughs> after like watching so many MCU movies over and over again? Um, I did not cry. Uh, but I also cry very rarely at movies. Mm. I think I can count the number of movies I've cried at on one hand. And it's a uh, hand that is closing into a finch fist <laughs> to punch all you wussies. No, I'm just exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like, I actually think it's a robot hand movie. because you're a robot, Patrick. Yes. If you didn't cry <laughs> during this movie. L- look, uh, I, I'm like Nebula. You know, <laughs> I'm like – I'm 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 a lot of robot, but I but I still got a human heart. Mm. Um, so, <laughs> uh, so yeah, I, I I was I was moved, um, but not to the level like I, I there was no like uh, tearing up, no no sniffling. I did I did not reach that level, but I entirely get like why most people would. And I also you know want to point out that I spent a lot of time talking about it, and a lot of people have about that side of it, but it's also very funny. It, the 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 wild shifts in tone that this movie mm-hmm. pulls off are audacious are, and and kind of crazy. It, I mean, it it swings from being leftovers to being a Will Ferrell movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is <laughs> it is wild swing and everything in between. You know, it is it's doing sort of uh, slick, goofy uh, action movie. It's doing. Um, broad, broad comedy. It's doing deep drama. And it, in a three-hour time period, it is all over the place in tone. And somehow, for me, it never felt incongruous. Uh, yeah, I think most of it worked for me. I think there are some times in these Marvel films where like, a serious moment is then immediately undercut in some ways by mm-hmm. like a funny moment. And it feels like sometimes the movie doesn't trust itself. Like this happens in many of the Marvel films where like someone's having a serious moment and then, oh, like here's a slapstick moment to like, you know, chop things up a little bit. Uh, But overall, uh, I I thought the tone worked. It felt a lot more to me like the original The Avengers movie uh, than Infinity War did. And I I love that original Joss Whedon Avengers movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Anyway, uh, let's get to spoilers. I'll just say like very quickly, though, that I uh, (laughs) – 
I agree with what you guys are saying. I really love the movie. Um, I don't know, that Patrick, that it really made up for all of the shortcomings in the MCU that you described in your video series, but it did make <laughs> up for some of them. And I think that's actually to its credit. Uh, I thought this movie was super inventive and funny and thrilling. And there were so many moments in this movie where I just felt like I was just in awe of what I was seeing because I can't believe they had the audacity to like do that. John, like John Hammond in Jurassic Park, it's like they spared no expense, right? Uh, and there's like people, characters who appear. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that character is there. Um, and I'll dive more into that in the spoilers. But overall, I had a great time. I thought this was an incredible the- theatrical experience. And I think you're right, Jeff. Like we are just fortunate to have been alive during this time. Like, can you, you know, you were talking with Dan Trachtenberg on Twitter about like, can you imagine like 20 years from now trying to like explain this to someone? Like, what, what? It's possible. Nothing like this will ever be accomplished again. Right. Yeah. Um, it's probable. It's yeah. it's a it's a it's a wildly improbable thing that they pulled off, and it's not easily repeatable. As we've seen, other companies attempt it. You know, yeah. a dark universe is starting. No. <laughs> hey, no, it's, it's coming back, guys. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna work this time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, it's possible. Like you know, decades from now, this will be the time. We'll think of this as the time where they pulled off that cinematic universe thing. I um, also think if they had if they had made Iron Man going, you know, what we're gonna do is we're gonna make an infinity saga, I think it would never have worked, right? It, it really was organic. It wasn't just, you know, it didn't just play out organically. It was legitimately organic. Mm -hmm. They, they were the beneficiaries of their own success and, and smart enough to not overextend and, and be patient and play it out over a long period of time. Yes, there were some missteps here and there, but overall it is, it's an unbelievably deft, thing that they did you know yeah. it's it's extraordinary well I, I think the whole idea of them building on success is really the key right if iron man if iron man didn't work out the no this would have ever happened right um but also i think it was smart how they certainly planted the seeds of something up ahead right just the just samuel l jackson showing up at the end of iron man i think was enough it was the kernel of an idea and also the ending of iron man certainly uh made us want to see a world where oh people actually know who the superhero is. What is that like? Cause we hadn't really ever seen that before. Um, but Jeff, you were talking about like how this is, you know, against economic odds too. This is like a glorious decision by Disney. I, I, I think it makes complete sense. I think they just doubled down on everything in smart ways. And certainly so there were many great creative decisions. And I think there were certainly instances too, like um, my kingdom for Edgar Wright's Ant-Man. I would love to see that at some point and whatever went down there, like, there were certainly certain corporate sides of things um, where, you know, I'm not sure the best decisions were made. Uh, we've certainly seen some of the sequels that didn't turn out so well. But overall, like, it, yeah, it at least led to this, and this is worth it. Yeah, I read that book, The Big Picture, which kind of details a lot about the origins of Marvel. And uh, Iron Man was made at around the same time as Incredible Hulk. Yeah. And the idea was that they'd make a few of these movies and see how they went. And if they went well, then they would keep doing it. And so they made Iron Man, they made Incredible Hulk, they made like one of the other ones, and uh, Iron Man did really well. But if they had all done badly, we would never mm-hmm. have gotten to this point in time. Yeah, um, but it, it was a smart gamble too because it was like it wasn't like they were banking; they didn't invest money in the whole franchise, right? Which is what Warner Brothers ended up doing. Kind of didn't work out well for them. Yeah. But I think back to who was it? New Line, right? For Lord of the Rings, they banked on that trilogy, and if that first movie failed, uh, whoa boy. 
that that wouldn't have worked out so well yeah, for them. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Right. No, And that's that was a, kind of the prototype of this whole thing, too. Yeah, that, that's a good point. I do think a lot of great business decisions were made, certainly. So um, props to, to all the folks at yeah. Disney and uh, for finishing this journey. Uh, I will say one last thing, and then I think we should move into spoilers, is just that, like, uh, this is a movie that makes the entire 22-film journey worth it. It, what, reward, it rewards you. It rewards, it rewards you, you for, for being watching, along that yeah, ride. Yeah, for, yeah. for yeah. Liter- literally, I, I don't know that there's a single film in the MCU that is not referenced in this movie, right? Like, I, I can't think of a single movie where, like, if you skipped it completely, you would be okay. Like, or, or rather, th- that there's nothing in it in this movie that references yeah. it. So, like, other than the Edward Norton Hulk, yeah, uh, which correct, again is like correct. an impossible thing. It's an impossible, <laughs> like, just sitting down to craft that seems to me so daunting and mm-hmm. and yet mm-hmm. none of it feels forced none of it feels you know shoehorned in it, it it's i don't know. I, I listen i don't think the movie's perfect i don't want to come across that way i don't think this is a perfect movie there are things that we'll get into in spoilers where i'm like i don't know about that but overall the experience of watching it is so powerful and so stirring uh, that that I I'm just in awe of it, and I and it stands of one of the one of the great cinema experiences of my life. It's yeah. amazing. And w- one PSA before we get to spoilers, by the way, I saw this uh, on a big ass IMAX screen. If you have not gotten your tickets yet, if you're still deciding how you're going to see this movie, I I would highly recommend any IMAX screen, even the IMAX ones, because uh, the entire movie was shot in IMAX digital. Uh, it's presented in the big extra tall format, so. I think for around Infinity War, they sent out some ads that saying you would be seeing like 26% more of the movie or something. Um, in this movie, there are certainly scenes, especially towards the end, where I kind of appreciated having that little bit of extra frame. And I think uh, that's that's a big deal for a movie like this. Certainly Patrick, pay for the IMAX if you can do it. Patrick Willems, did you see the movie in IMAX by any chance? or? I did, yes. Yeah. Uh, at the the one. The uh, same one. Yeah. Th- yes. The, the, the biggest IMAX screen in New York. Yeah, and was it is the recommended format in your opinion? Definitely. Um, while I I uh, will get into this later on, like I have my quibbles about just the visuals of the film and some of the visual storytelling, but in in the moments where it really matters, I do think the that giant presentation does make a difference, and it's it's absolutely worth seeing this way. This is Acast recommends. Every week, we pick one of our favorite shows, and this is one we think you're going to love. Who exploded Vivian Stone? Was it Screen Hunk McSalad? Mother's Digest called me dependably erotic. Leading Lady Joanna Shoebags. Oh, you call me dramatic again, I will die! First-time director Wallace Byrne Travers. I think I'll just keep my clothes on for now. Assistant director Laura Side Salad. If I can help you direct this film, I can certainly help direct your wing cut. Technician James Wigington. You've got a funny way of addressing a man holding a power drill. Or someone else entirely. Listen in to find out... Who exploded Vivian Stone? Acast is home to the biggest podcasts from the UK and around the world. Subscribe to this show and hundreds more now via Acast or wherever you get your podcasts. All right. Well, before we get into spoilers, uh, we got to thank people who donated to the podcast this week. A big thank you to Philippe Herrera and also new subscribers Jeffrey Evans, Justin Coles, and Christopher Harris who are donating at a regular rate per month. If you want to support what we do here on the podcast, 
Uh, go to paypal.me slash filmcast. That's paypal.me slash the word filmcast. Uh, and all the money you donate goes to help us defray the cost of seeing movies and putting on the show for you. You can also go to slashfilm.com. Click on the slash filmcast tab. Use the PayPal links on the side of the page. Never donate if it in any way causes you hardship in your life. But if you want to support us, we'd really appreciate it. And, of course, for free, you can always go to iTunes or Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to us and leave a review. That would be a big help. So let's get into uh, spoilers for Avengers Endgame starting right now. Now you're looking for the secret. You're trying to see this coming? No. But you won't find it because, of course... You're not going to see this coming. You're not really looking. I have been puzzling over how it works. You don't really want to work it out. Who's in the box? I have been dying to tell you. I want to tell you my secret now. You want to be fooled. I can't believe they really did the Ant-Man thing and really <laughs> made him explode Thanos' butt. Yeah, that was, that was shocking. It's amazing. That was shocking. Um, so largely this movie, I would say, I'm not going to go plot point by plot point or anything like that, but largely this movie is divided into three sections, I would say, right? Like there's kind of the opening, oh, yeah. right, where you're like dealing with the immediate aftermath of the events of Infinity War. Uh, and then there's like this vast long stretch, in, vast long stretch that's a uh, Back to the Future 2 homage, in my opinion. I'm uh, yeah. yeah, time heist, Mine. and then uh, and then a big kind of final fight sequence, right? So let's let's take these each uh, take these. I, I think there's a clear break, by the way. There's a clear break between uh, a very the very early success. I did not expect. Uh, did that was die like within 15 minutes? Yeah, within of this movie starting to the movie, oh, and I think well, that was. We, that that is insane. It's insane, <laughs> by the way, because that is what we've been waiting a year to see. And just throwing that at the audience like that and then making the heroes deal with the fact that you did what you set out to do. What did that really solve is in is glorious for a superhero <laughs> movie. I've never well, seen that before. Let's before we even get there. Can we just talk about how this movie starts? Yes. Yes. Because. Holy hell. Uh, I mean, it it, it, it that ripped mm-hmm. me up. So this it was, the, it uh, was like it was like the beginning, by the way, of uh, of a quiet place. Is this, yeah, it felt yeah. like the, the Hawkeye thing. Horror movie. The Hawkeye, yeah, the Hawkeye dark, thing. Yeah. Dark movie. I mean, it they, felt like the beginning of a horror movie because you, we all know what's coming. We yes. know, we know what monster is coming, and seeing him deal with that horror is insane. Um, by the way, How that they never they never show anybody yes. get turned to ash. It is yes. so beautifully executed. It's that... like you're just disappears yeah well, because they also did it in the middle of this huge field too because like yes. if they'd done it in a house it wouldn't have been as impactful but like because it's in a huge field there's no way those people could be hiding anywhere it's just like really it upsetting right so quiet and so slow and like to start a three-hour movie yes. there holy hell it, it, like you just know that these this is a confident movie yes. that yeah. has something that it wants to do to you. you that, know? That's when the movie got me, by the way. Like that's when I, I, I was sitting, I was like dreading this three hour movie. <laughs> I didn't drink anything for two hours before I saw this movie. Right. I was dreading entering this three hour stretch. Uh, I wanted to make sure I was, uh, you know, I, I was good to go and I'd rather be thirsty than be, you know, eager to go to the bathroom <laughs> and everything. And then this first scene pops up and that hit me harder than honestly anything in infinity war. Like I didn't need and that just reminded me, like, oh, man, we saw we saw so many people we love just kind of disappear in Infinity War. And it didn't, I think, because of the cacophony of that movie, because that movie was so much that all came at the, at the end after, you know, a huge CG battle against these monsters that we didn't really care about. And we, we kind of got the stakes, but it just didn't 
there there was no emotion there really maybe aside from peter parker and that was kind of the main one but the fact that this movie opened like that brought me right back in well this, it justifies was... it justifies everything joss whedon fought for yes. in avengers of uh, age of ultron where he said he had to like fight for the scene of hawkeye with his family right like uh he yeah. said like they almost they almost cut that because it's it's adding runtime onto a very long movie but it completely paid off in Avengers Endgame. Patrick Willems, your your thoughts on this kind of opening? What do you think of it? Uh yeah, it's it's funny. I mean, like we've I mean, we've all referenced it so many times, but this opening scene is just straight out of the leftovers. Yeah. It is basically yeah. like the pilot episode of, yeah. of that show. Yeah. <laughs> and um and I think uh David, you mentioned the the Age of Ultron uh reference point, and that weirdly ended up being maybe the most Im- important movie uh in the <laughs> like to end game in terms of setting up like thematic stuff and character arcs. Mm. And, um, and a, a thing that I, uh, that I, I devoted a section, uh, to this in, in one of my videos was there's this shift that happened. Um, uh, when like Whedon's involvement in the movies kind of ended and the Russos kind of became the main, uh, like kind of the main visionaries of the MCU Mm -hmm. in that we kind of stopped seeing the perspective of ordinary people, Mm. uh, like non, like, uh, even like like in the big battle scenes, there were never any civilians around. Uh, we see way less of the the regular people in the superheroes' lives. Yeah, um, like Civil War. That was that was an empty airport. You know. Yeah. Exactly, like empty that. airport. I uh, I uh, and you compare it to like the Battle of New York uh, in the first Avengers. You compare it to the Sokovia battle in in Ultron. Like Whedon was very interested in the relationship between the superheroes and like ordinary people, and I think. That, uh, Hawkeye's family was a really key part of that because here was the one person who has like an actual regular family, and uh, and so bringing that back right away, I really appreciate it because I do think that matters. And and those death in quotes deaths, I uh, they hit me so much harder than any of the ones in Infinity War because you know they these people aren't in a battle; they're just ordinary people living their yeah. lives, mm-hmm. and um, as opposed to everything everyone that we saw die a year ago and so so yeah so right away i was i was far more emotionally invested just in in the loss of the people uh than i had been in the last movie yeah it is you've seen all of them much more recently than i but isn't also uh age of ultron where we start of start having the interteam love stories with bruce and um Natasha. and um yeah, Natasha, and and isn't that in Age of Ultron as well? Or am I misplaced? Yeah, I that? mean, yes, that's that's the movie it's in. It then obviously isn't. I mean, other than them looking at each other for like five <laughs> seconds in Infinity War, it never really comes up again. Right, <laughs> but it certainly it certainly pays off in this movie in in interesting ways, and like all of that, all of those little juicy bits, and it's inter- I just find it interesting that everybody seems to write off Age of Ultron, and it it really has stuff that is important for the tapestry. So indeed. Yep. indeed. So, uh, this movie opens with like them, uh, Carol Danvers kind of reunites with the crew after like Tony Stark is trapped in space. Uh, Carol saves him, you know, they get, uh, back to earth. Can that I ask, scene, a, by the way, can I ask a really important question uh-huh, right here? Um, did Downey really, lose a ton of weight or uh, was this digital i don't it know looks like he did. but yeah. it, you know after they made downey like a young person in uh civil war i think it was like i i don't 
I believe they could do anything with CG, but he he looked very emaciated in a way that was very yeah. convincing. I thought he um, also yeah, never definitely. looked any better than that in the rest of the movie. So I don't know. You know, no, the I, first I, Iron Man, he, he he he. There were definitely shirtless scenes. He he had beefed up at one point. Yeah, no, and then, no, yeah. I'm saying CG. in the rest yeah. of this movie. No, he did I, I not, think he, he yeah. gains quite a bit of weight after that first scene, Jeff. That was he looks a lot real. healthier. Yeah, he looks a lot yeah. healthier after that first scene, in my opinion. But mm. um, anyway, so but, Carol, but before they get to Earth, though, like I think that that moment of like Tony Stark just kind of, first of all, that whole scene, him, him like doing uh, leaving the message to pepper, which yeah. we saw in the trailer. That's how the trailers begin. You see this like wonderfully, like almost like nurturing uh, this relationship. He kind of developed with Nebula where they're kind of taking care of each other, yeah. which I found was just very sweet. And even funny. though also funny and funny and funny, yeah. but it was, it was so like, Oh man, you're, you're telling me something really well visually here. You're saying so much. And then him sleeping and basically the sun appearing on his face. And that was also the moment where I realized this entire movie rests on Robert Downey Jr.'s performance, like us buying key aspects of this film really are down to him. And we'll talk more about that around the time heist, certainly. Um, but that I just want to say that moment. I love that moment. I love that moment of just like, it's hope. It is hope appearing, uh, you know, amidst the blackness of space. That's pure visual storytelling. Yeah, there's a lot of great economy in this movie, I think, actually, mm-hmm. despite the movie being three hours long. <laughs> so uh, they get home, Pepper is there, uh, and like they have... Another this... scene of just, I mean, I, mean, I was, yeah. That relationship, they're all so good. Every that, scene, <laughs> that Pepper relationship, that like, has never really paid off. Now, mm-hmm. I mean, this movie pays it off in a big way. It's like, I don't know, man. Yeah. It's 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 amazing. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. So yeah. uh, then they're like, okay, we got to find Thanos, get the stones back, and the best the best thing, which is what we've all <laughs> said for a year. Yeah, we, they're just gonna go steal the thing, snap their fingers, and do it back. Is that what we're gonna do? Steve Rogers, yeah, that's what we're going to do. It's like <laughs> yeah. they just acknowledged what everybody said. Yeah. And yeah. it's so brilliant. It's like, yeah, we're going to do that in the first five minutes of a – or 15 minutes of a three-hour movie. So now what, everybody? Yeah. So they they go and, – and so Carol Danvers reunites. And this is a big question that Jeff Kanata had of like once you have Captain Marvel, who's basically like uh, Superman, right, in terms of how powerful they are and – how, like Even more super than Superman. Yeah, like, she's like way more powerful. Yeah. She's like so powerful, right? Uh, and and the question is like, how do you manage having a character like that? Uh-huh. And the answer that this movie came up with was yes. scheduling conflicts. Yeah, uh, but also like <laughs> Earth, Earth, you are you are one tiny bit of my problem. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. I have I have a whole galaxy to protect here, and I, I can't just take care of you. One of the best lines in the whole movie, in my opinion, is um, they don't have an Avengers. Yes. They don't yes. have you guys. You're like, yeah. they got me. I got every, you have this planet. I got everything else. It's, so, it's such a shorthand economical way of going, oh, okay, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, although, you know, later Except on. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Later on, when they're going to like undo everything, may, you think maybe like uh, her joining them for the mission might be uh, useful. Certainly, like, yeah, half the half of the life of the universe is certainly still yeah. on the line. So yeah, it, yeah. if it's within her scheduling plan, I yeah, assume. That would be a little helpful. But anyway, so they go and then they, they take Thanos out and like shocking moment when, you know, Thor cuts Thanos' head off. And it obviously, call back to Avengers Infinity War, right? When at the end of that film, 
uh, Thanos says to Thor, you should have gone for the head. And like, I had a feeling that was going to pay off in this movie. Yes. I just yeah. didn't know it was going to be in the first 10 minutes. Right? I love that they even referenced it even, yeah, even before the death where he, Thor is just like beaten and broken down. It's just like, just thinking about that moment and that, that sort of that guilt where imagine that, right. You were, you were the one person who could have saved half the universe mm. and you didn't because you aimed wrong. You aimed you a little bit too low. Uh, yeah. so Patrick, but even when... before that, they, the cutting off of the hand with the glove on it. Oh yeah. Was yeah. Shocking. Amazing. Shocking. Yeah. Yeah. Shocking. Uh, like there were gasps in that scene. Yeah. yeah. Pa- Patrick, I was going <laughs> to ask you like, what was your, your reaction, your audience's reaction when like Thanos got his arm cut off and his head cut off? Like, and what was your reaction? Um, I, as far as the audience goes, I mean, people were cheering because <laughs> it's like, holy shit, we're getting this already. Yes. <laughs> like, uh, like the, this thing that we assume, like this confrontation we assumed would be like, you know, we'd have to wait at least an hour for. Right. Uh, we're, right. we're getting immediately. And also they're like, you know, I mean, they're avenging. They're uh, <laughs> they're just hacking him up. Um, <laughs> and, and yeah, I was just because I, you know, the, there was so little. uh footage in the marketing for this movie yeah. the vast majority of it was from the first 15 minutes or so yeah, yeah. and so i i had like uh and i avoided all spoilers and i had like a, a very vague just assumption of what might happen uh in the movie and um and yeah and i thought they might like go because i think they, they showed like a little oh they released the clip right before the title comes up where there's like yeah we're gonna go like get that son of a bitch or whatever. Yeah. Cut, and, to, um, cut to opening credits. Right. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. But, uh, so I figured they might go see him early on, but I figured they would just lose and then, and then regroup right. and figure things out. So I, yeah, I was, I was very pleasantly surprised because I mean, I feel like with a lot of these, uh, Marvel movies, which I enjoy and that I've, you know, I've been reading the comics since I was a kid, I usually have a pretty solid idea of what's going to happen in the movie going in. Like even in, in infinity war, like I've read the infinity gauntlet. I figured, you know, he would at some point wipe out half of everything. And, uh, and so this just kind of threw me for a loop right away. I was like, Oh, okay. Uh, not where I thought this would go. And, um, should I, I wait, uh, uh, to mention the the next big thing that happens. Well, let me just say right there because I just want to jump in and piggyback what you just said because you know, Dave, you and I just did a, a little video about avoiding spoilers, and I would just like to say that moment that you described, Patrick, of which I experienced as well during this movie, the head gets chopped off, and Thor walks off, and then things blur. Mm-hmm. That moment is what I chase my whole life. <laughs> Literally going, where does this go where now? Go? Indeed. Hey, Jeff, you know <laughs> what? What do they I, do? I, I saw all the trailers. I, I also had that feeling. It was pretty yeah. great. Yeah. It was pretty great. Uh, the trailers yeah. were pretty vague. Like, I think you could have watched yeah, yeah, it. No, no, still no, had no, you guys, that's, that's not the point. And, Dave, <laughs> we talked about this, so I don't know why you're even making this. <laughs> the point is, you never know. You can't trust you can't, the trailers. You trailer. can't trust that the trailers will be good. I'm saying right. in so this it, instance, it, they it's were. Wonderful. But yeah, I understand. Yeah, it's wonderful this proved to be the case this time, but I ain't going to take that chance, bruh. It is a incredibly disorienting and liberating feeling when Thor walks off into the yes. distance of like, yeah, what is going to happen? What but is the rest also, of this movie his, even going to be? You know, like his emotion in that moment, by the way, is just pure resignation. Yeah, it's like, yeah. well, I did it, and now what? Yeah, it's it's not a triumphant walk off. It is a, yeah, well, yeah, 
Now yep. what? Yeah. Yep. yep. Uh, Patrick, what were you going to say is the next big thing that happens? Oh, uh, it would be the time jump. Yeah. Five uh, years the slow, the later. slow time jump. Yeah. Five pause, <laughs> yeah. years pause pause later. Pause, yeah. <laughs> and so I'm not being hyperbolic when I say that in all 22 MCU movies, nothing has surprised me yeah. as much as, as when it said years later. Because like... <laughs> Five appeared, and I was and I was thinking like, okay, so uh, weeks, months, <laughs> and uh, and then it said years, and I was like, what? Oh, okay, and because, and I apologize in advance, just because I'm gonna keep saying like, so this thing that I said in my videos, it's, it's cool, uh, it's cool, it's cool. But a thing that I said in my videos <laughs> is that one of my you know main issues with the, the MCU, as much as I, I I do like pretty much all the movies, uh, is is there is this feeling of uh. A, a lack of change and consequences. Right. They're very good at like making it seem like things change. It's like, oh, Shield is gone, mm -hmm. but then it doesn't really have any impact on anything. Which was and, insane, by the way. That whole thing it even impacted the show, but still didn't really make a dent on the cinematic. Yeah, or, or really, I right. think a really good example you brought up in the video was like Spider-Man at the end of Homecoming is like. Uh, I don't want to be an Avenger. I'm going to be a high school right. student instead. But then, like in the next movie, he's an Avenger. You know what I mean? Um, right. And and it, it's all a result of of just like the sort of the weird thing of taking these long form serialized comic book storytelling and then trying to turn it into feature films. It's basically like cramming a square peg into a round hole. Yeah. Because in the comics, when there is a big event like that, it's like oh, you've got a year of sto of like smaller stories to like explore it, but you don't. You know, the movies are all like the the big events. So you don't get the chance to like explore, you know, like, oh, what does Spider-Man do now? Uh, you know, after he turns down the Avengers. Anyway, yeah, the reason I sorry to 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 also underscore that, uh, I felt like in particular we missed a movie. Like there's a there's this really cool Hulk movie that we didn't get to see <laughs> right. where we yes. find out how Hulk reconciled his two halves, you know? Like if we was a comic book series, there'd be like an independent Hulk limited series that would have talked about how he brought the Bruce Banner half and the Hulk half to back together. And we would get an explanation of why Hulk wouldn't come out. And all. like, we missed that movie. There's a movie there that we didn't get to see. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it really through the whole MCU, there's lots of missing movies. Yeah. Uh, like I want to see the missing movie about like what cap and his friends did after civil war. Uh, yeah. But because like, the that was like, Two or three years. But anyway, the reason I, I mention all of this is that having this time jump and then suddenly just like um, just like digging into, oh, they're like the world has changed here. How is it? It has affected everybody. Here is them just dealing with like actual loss and like and real consequences. And and I thought it was such a nice move to uh, to when they do the time jump to not begin with the superheroes, but to begin with this guy played by, I think it's Joe Russo. I could be, it's what Joe or Anthony, um, in the support group that's led by Steve Rogers. Uh, but, but, it, but it's just a normal guy and, and it's just, and right away they're dealing with how average people, uh, ha have, have adapted and, yeah. and dealt with this, this, this huge thing. And also, a small little but I think noteworthy point um, is is this guy in the support group the first like um like I uh, like like definitively queer character in the MCU mm. because he mm. says he, he mentions going on a date with a guy. 
Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Interesting. And, and that's I a also big, love that's that a, we, scene. We, yeah. Go ahead, Jeff. Go ahead. I was going to say, I also love in that scene that Steve Rogers superpower is just his relentless positivity, you know, like that's <laughs> what he's empathy. been using his superpowers yeah. for in the last five years is just giving people pep talks. <laughs> yeah. Indeed. Um, I, I thought it was, it, it's kind of interesting. You get these glimpses of the world post snap. Uh, some of them are really impressive. Like the, the monument in San Francisco to the vanished, I thought was like yeah. uh, that feels like pretty realistic of like what would actually happen if something mm-hmm. this major occurred. Um, I do think that if if you want if you're listening and you want like a really sharp, uh, profound portrait of grief, uh, I do think like the leftovers is a really good like show to explore um you know this is a movie that does some things that the leftover does the leftovers has three seasons to do it in and so like yeah it's a much more deep and sprawling exploration of the idea of like a bunch of people disappearing from your life all of a sudden um so i, I just want to give a shout out to that show before we move on uh and yeah and the leftovers doesn't have costumes and punch fights to get to either exactly, so you know it's exactly you know. yeah so. <laughs> maybe a little bit um, a little bit. So, uh, so then Scott Lang comes back, right, uh, from the quantum realm because a rat um, <laughs> triggers the return journey for him, uh, and then like, which only seems weird because we haven't had a camera on that thing for the last five years, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. It's a, we just looked at the one particular day where this weird thing happened. But... <laughs> yeah, but there's five years where nothing happened, and then Ken Jeong right. has like a. Wordless okay. cameo as like Wait, security. Can guard? we talk about this? Because this is one of the most important things about the movie for okay. me. Yes. So for years now, I have been fascinated by the Russo brothers' ongoing quest to put every core community cast member in the MCU. <laughs> yes. We, yeah. We got we got Danny Pudi in Winter Soldier. We yeah. got Jim Rash in Civil War. They didn't direct it, but we got Donald Glover in Spider-Man: Homecoming. And now in this movie, we get, we get Ken Jeong and Yvette Nicole Brown. Yes. We're three away from the full set. I really want this to happen. Uh, well, Don Don Glover was in Homecoming, was he not? Uh, but that doesn't yes, count. He was. I guess. Right? No, no. Yeah. Uh, uh, it counts for me. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. We still don't have Joel McHale, uh, Gillian Jacobs, and Allison Brie. All right. All right. We're close. We're getting close, yeah. So uh, then Scott Lang helps them kind of put together this idea that, like, hey, the quantum realm, we can, if we could find a way around, we could get there. And um, uh, they go to Tony Stark for help. And, like, I, I thought this Tony Stark stuff was really profound, right? This idea that uh, he, he was one of the few that didn't lose a lot in yes. the snap. Right. Yeah. And that he needs to like protect what he already has. And like making that decision might be a tough one for him. Well, he's Um, still selfish. Like, that's the point. And this is who this character kind of always was. It was him trying to, you know, find exist outside of his own ego. Right. And at the end, like when everyone loses everything, he actually gains something and he kind of reverts back to himself, even though his new self is, you know, a new dad, which is great to see. And I love the the daughter relationship there. But at the end of the day, it, it is still him being selfish. Mm-hmm. And also, I think we didn't really talk about the scene after uh, before the time jump when Tony comes back and and, you know, he's there like hooked up to an IV and mm-hmm. everyone's like, let's go get Thanos. And he's and he just kind of shuts them all down and right. and he's just like falling apart and has just given up entirely. Yeah. And so right. he, he he doesn't think that they're going to go win. He just he's yeah, he's accepted yeah. Uh, just just their defeat. And so I he's think he's had a moon thrown at him. He's had Spider-Man <laughs> die in his hands yeah. like, you know, yeah. he and he so, he probably personally feels like he he failed to kill Thanos, too. So oh, there's totally. a lot going on there. 
And I think that's part of why uh, why he's he really you know doesn't want to give this up because like his loss was uh, at least like the way he was expressing it was yeah. so much more intense than everyone else. And now somehow he managed to get something good out of it. Mm-hmm. So it, I, I, yeah, I was impressed with all that. It ties back to the PTSD from Avengers one too, right? Like this is a guy who that, that movie also had him do something very heroic and unselfish. And it, he was rewarded by facing the emptiness of space and almost dying, you know, and uh, the movies didn't really deal with that. I think Iron Man three finally sort of did. Um, but it is interesting. Like this is the second time he's kind of faced that, and now he's just completely broken. So uh, they they have kind of this uh, discussion about it. Him, you know, you see some moments of domesticity, and that's what one of the great things about this movie. You guys have already talked about is you get these quieter moments. Him playing around with his daughter, him talking with Pepper a little bit. Moments that Infinity War didn't have time for, basically, right? And uh, I think it's to this film's strength that it really gives you that connective tissue that really delivers uh, when we get to the end of this movie. Um, There's going to be families saying, I love you 9,000 for years. Years. Indeed. Um, I think it was 3,000, actually, if I'm not mistaken. Um, But, yeah. Uh, really good stuff here, and then no. Uh, my point was there's going to be families getting it wrong for years. <laughs> so did you? You mentioned the Hulk stuff. Is there anything else we wanted to say about that? Uh, the Hulk stuff uh, before? Yeah, go ahead. I wasn't going to mention the Hulk stuff, but I do think it's worth noting that. Uh, so Scott Lang's daughter Cassie is now a teenager. Also, uh, we see her, and uh, I don't know if anyone's read the Young Avengers comic book. But uh, Cassie Lang is a, a member of the team as a teenager. Right. And so uh-huh. if they want to go down that road, they have set her up perfectly for that. Mm. Mm. Indeed. Um, the, the Hulk thing, by the way, I think it. Yeah, it does feel like we kind of lost a Hulk movie uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. in, in that time jump. But at the same time, like what a wonderful it's a character move. Right. It is when everyone when they've had five years, they they don't have to worry about Thanos. Right. They're just like trying to piece together some aspect, uh, you know, trying to piece their worlds back together. His um, he just went down a path of self-improvement and just like figured out how to deal reconcile with these two aspects of himself because they're not fighting a giant monster, you know, every year or something like this. This is him. This is him meditating and dealing with it. I found that really meaningful, actually, even though it looks uh I'm not quite sold on the digital effects there, but it it means a lot to me. I, I thought overall it was pretty cool, and and I, I will just say like in general, the Hulk character for me has been kind of a cipher. Like there's that moment yeah, in Avengers yeah. when he's like, "I'm always angry," and my reaction is, "Really? I didn't I didn't get that sense." You know, like and uh, I felt like this is a really interesting turn for the character, uh, and I, I <laughs> like that they took like a big kind of chance with it. He's um, at peace. He's doing meditation yeah. every day. Yeah, He's yeah, taking yeah, some yeah. CBD. He has like, clothes he knows, that fit now. You know, it's very, yeah. it's very cool. Yeah. That selfie moment, by the way, is pure. Like, I did not expect something like that, but that is, those are the little moments I kind of love from the MCU right. as well. Like, yeah. great, great yeah. moments. And and along those lines, right afterwards, they kind of all get together and kind of give each other a download of information about, <laughs> hey, like, let's talk about what what we know about the Infinity Stones. And that's when you realize, like, oh, right, these characters don't have the same knowledge of the MCU that we do as the audience. Yes. Yeah, right? Yeah. And I thought it was really great that they acknowledge that and they're kind of like sitting around BSing about like what each stone is doing and like where it's been at. And I, I was like, this is like, <laughs> this is, would be like, uh, you could imagine um, 
a bunch of like writers for slash film or you know people on the slash filmcast or whatever like <laughs> sitting around and kind of doing the same thing to I like think, write an article or something like that i think yeah. it's the writers of this movie did that <laughs> yeah. and went how do we make this happen right okay where did we establish all of these things what points in history did they all <laughs> coincide you know like yeah. It feels like the writers ciphering themselves. And the know? whole time they're doing this, I'm like, "Holy shit! Is this going to happen? Like, what I like, are they really uh-huh. going to do a time heist? You know what I mean?" And my <laughs> anticipation level is like going through the roof when they're doing this. And I'm like, "How are they going to even pull this off? Like, did they did they like recreate all the old scenes from the other? You know, like, are they going to just digitally insert them into existing footage? But they spared no expense, man. They like got Robert yeah. Redford." To come back, dude. And do, like, they got everybody back. Yeah. Everybody. It is so crazy. <laughs> I mean, it probably it's helps crazy. that you have an infinite budget, right, to to make this movie happen. So yeah. Um, if you're in an Infinity War, you need an infinity budget. Um, but yeah, like how? I, I just want to know how much Natalie Portman got paid to wake up. <laughs> well, I think I, I, I'm not sure, but I think that actually might be footage from Thor: The Dark World. Uh, that they yeah. use for another Portman. So Maybe, not... but but no, Rene Russo. Rene uh, Russo. R- Rene the... Russo has more dialogue in this movie than than Black Panther. I think. Um, I, mean, <laughs> I feel, like, guys. Yeah. I feel like we're jumping ahead because the Thor: The Dark World stuff. Yeah. Like it maybe is one of the most interesting things in the whole movie to me. Why go back there? Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, I mean, I have thoughts about that, but I feel like we're jumping ahead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. But wait, well, wait, uh, one step back yeah. because I think. One of the most important scenes in this moment uh, of this movie is like after they bring the idea to Tony Stark and then he he starts Tony Starking. Right. He just starts throwing <laughs> ideas around. It's like, OK, OK, a computer, do this thing. Yada, yada, yada. <laughs> that moment where he sits down and stares at the computer in disbelief. Yeah. Another falls, back. yeah. falls backward. It does not matter if the science like makes fuck all sense about how this time travel thing working, it's like a quantum zone, yada, yada, yada. Uh, we have a special shape they're going through or something. His look in that moment sells the fact that they've solved it, solved it. Yeah. And I think that was pretty impactful. Yeah. I also love the little scene between he and pepper Potts of, do I do this? Yeah. Do I do it? Uh, which is amazing because, you know, she, the whole, we've established through infinity war and even in previous Iron Man movies, She's like, stop risking your life. Don't go. Don't do the things. I, I don't know. I, I thought that was a cool place to be at with those characters as well. So they come up with this whole plan to go back in time, use this stuff that Stark has built. Uh, and, you know, all the characters are introduced and like they kind of each get an assignment of like. You, and ba- you basically, go by the way, they're scraping the plot mechanics together throughout the MCU. Right. They're using. The uh, the quantum realm stuff from Ant Man, but also the Pym particles. Right, like there's a lot going on here. Yeah, yeah. I just, just I found so many really... so many references that rewards Guys, uh, your attention. Go ahead, uh-huh. Patrick. We haven't talked about Thor or Hawkeye. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, uh, yeah. Ninja Hawkeye. I, I think oh, we yeah, should shit. talk about both of those sections because they're fairly important. Yeah, fair yeah. enough. Fair enough. So the Thor stuff was a delight. Because uh, <laughs> every time you watch a Thor movie, you're always like, when are we going to see Chris Hemsworth shirtless? And yeah. in this one, you did. And uh, it subverted expectations, I think. Right? I, lo- I love that Chris Hemsworth just said, hey, we have changed who this character is. Yeah. And if you want me in these movies, that's what we're doing. And they went, okay, if we're doing it, we're going 100%. <laughs> and they just went, when you're in the scenes, we're making a comedy. <laughs> and I just I I love it. I love it. Yeah. Um and, and I think you were right. You 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 guys pointed out earlier that like when Thor cuts Thanos' head off, like 
that that is and he's walking away that is out of resignation right it's yes. not like he's triumphant yeah. there and then we see the results of that five years later patrick you wanted to bring I mean, this up what did you like about yeah the well, stuff? i mean uh first of all i just as someone who enjoys world building and all that stuff i just love the reveal that he set up uh new asgard yeah uh in in what looks like maybe could be scotland <laughs> uh so well, this is the place from thor ragnarok technically i guess that whole that whole oh uh, like in, island in norway in oh norway yeah that but, didn't even occur to me that it would be the same place that uh where like where odin died it looked but very it, similar but it, uh, thematically that made sense to me yeah, yeah it, it just looked to me like scotland or ireland but uh yeah, yeah, yeah. but i, 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 I like that the how, language how, on the sign was um like a slavic thing yes okay. yes 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 you're right you're right let's say let's yeah, so gotta get these videos there. right, Patrick. Come on. <laughs> oh, I know. Uh, this is good stuff to know for my inevitable <laughs> endgame video. Uh, but yeah, but I, like I like that he's he's got this whole like like fishing village now, and Valkyrie is there, and yeah. we got confirmation that Korg and Meek are okay. But also, uh, Thor, as much as his stuff is largely comedic, um, he does have he has PTSD. Like yes. the part where Thanos' yeah. name is mentioned, he can, like he. You know, everyone kind of like yeah. the scene switches from comedy to drama really quickly. Yeah. And uh, and it's like it's not just that, oh, he's kind of like slacked off and let himself go. It's like this is just a, a result of like the trauma that he's, he's clinically he's gone depressed. Like he is he is not in a good place. Right. right. Kind of like Hawkeye. Kind of like Hawkeye. Yeah. By the way, that fantastic. Like, I think it was pretty much a, a one shot. That whole introduction sequence of him of like him confronting the uh, the Yakuza. And then going through the building and then like jumping out the window, I believe. I want to see that whole scene again, but I feel I, that that was one take. I've, I think it was. I have a mild beef with it. Uh -huh. um, I think, I think it was sort of. This is a thing I have with with some oneers where it's like sort of technically impressive, but I, uh, but I, I because like a, a lot of the action is taking place like off screen, uh, like off screen and yeah, stuff right. like that. I don't think it's especially elegant. And then when the fight is happening and it still keeps being a oneer, and so the camera will be like kind of spinning around them. And I, I kept thinking about how it was one shot, uh, and I, I was like, <laughs> because we're we're technical nerds, yeah. So that's what right. we'll do. And I'm just like, it, this doesn't need to be. And uh, yeah. like, like you could have, you know, made it half as long and probably a little bit more impressive. But I, uh, but yeah, but anyway, Hawkeye's now just, you know, He's hunting on Earth. Yeah. He, well, it, it's also it's hilarious that it, it is Clint now, uh, uh, basically aping Asian iconography, just like uh, just like his his friend Scarlett yeah. Johansson. And, 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 <laughs> I find that kind of hilarious. Oh, perfect. And we and I mean, yeah. he's he's gone full Wolverine. He's gone, yeah, yeah pretty much. And yeah. he's hunting a guy who is in the Wolverine. Yes. Yeah. Mm. Right. Yes. Mm. You know, you, you, you bring up a good point, though. That something that's interesting about this movie is that it makes references to other movies. Uh, and there's uh, actors in those other movies that appear <laughs> in this movie. Right. Listen, listen. It's last <laughs> so, action hero rules. It is Stallone as as Terminator, basically. Like that's how it goes, right? You just right, flip it up. Right. There's like an alternate universe of other actors that are in these movies, right? <laughs> so when Tony Stark says uh, calls Thor, you know, Lebowski, um, maybe he doesn't realize that uh, the big Lebowski was played by someone who looks very similar to Obadiah Stane from the first film. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, I bet Obadiah got that all the time. <laughs> I believe uh, Hot Tub Time Machine uh, also has the Winter Soldier as the villain of that film, if I'm yes. not mistaken. Right? Yep. Yes. So anyway, um, but in this alternate universe, they're played by different people, I think is really 
but you have to accept. Can he resemble us? You know people that look really like famous people. <laughs> yeah, they pulled like an Ocean's Twelve with or, Julia Roberts. Yeah, Ocean's Twelve. It's all yes. Ocean's Twelve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, so I, I was a fan of like you know Hawkeye uh, basically going nuts and walking the earth and killing dudes. I'm not a fan of how the MCU continues to use Asian countries as places <laughs> where uh, sad white men go to find themselves. Um, this is which, true. Again. Which uh, is something that seems to be like a common theme. Uh, but whatever. It was so short. I, I kind of cringed a little during that scene, though, not, but not for technical reasons, Patrick. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, my main thing was, uh, like, I, I feel like the main reason they also, like, picked Japan is uh, it's just that, you know, in Tokyo, they have – it's an excuse to have a lot of, like, cool neon right. lights yeah. of different colors. Yeah. And as someone who uh, has very publicly complained about the visual style and color palettes of the the MCU – um, I, I thought this scene, like, in many ways looked better, uh, than, than a lot of the rest of the movie. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, but, but also it's like, look, just, you know, I, I'm always down for more scenes just set in like neon lit streets while it's raining. Yeah. Uh, for those who don't know, Patrick Willems, I, I this was like your first big hit, right? In, this, uh, t- uh it was the first video essay I ever made, and I I owe any success I have had since then to this one video. Yeah, he he, wrote, <laughs> he made a video essay called "Why Do Marvel's Movies Look Kind of Ugly?" Uh, yeah. that got 2.8 million views in 2016, and uh, it's basically about like how Marvel movies don't have very much contrast, uh, like literally from the color palette perspective. So anytime you kind of see They're it, very movie, gray. Yeah, in movies like this mm-hmm. and in guardians of the galaxy and like in the jap the japan scene in this movie it's kind of a treat to get like uh, a little splash color in your marvel film um, right yeah so and, yeah go ahead no i was gonna say like uh yeah it's uh it's nice and i don't think anyone was too freaked out by having a bit of color and <laughs> wouldn't uh it, it wouldn't kill them to put some more color in the rest of these Would movies the, by the way by the way hawkeye moving from one anachronistic like old school weapon to another uh this guy <laughs> yeah. this guy just like step it up okay you get a laser it. gun come on you're yeah, fighting this, uh, Thanos this bow and arrow isn't working else. so good you know what i need is a, just a big knife <laughs> he, has, he does when they go on their time heist he has that cool setup where he has the sword next to the quiver on his yeah, back yeah that was pretty cool i mean it just it looks cool that, that Hawkeye's superpower i think is like everything about him looks cool even though it doesn't make sense next to actual superpowered human beings exactly right all right so they get the they get the whole gang together, and uh, decide to embark on this uh, this this time quest, and this is kind of like the bulk of the movie, as far as I can tell, where they they go back in time, uh, and uh, try to get the Infinity Stones from those time periods. Uh, and there's a bunch of like interest. Obviously, you know the construct is borrowed from Back to the Future too, which they call bullshit in this movie, which I thought was hilarious. Uh, I, I really enjoyed the the, the quick little. Uh, discussion of what time travel is yes i, I, I love so it. It, fun. it just a yes so, cool so little it, aside of it, you know, it, that you're if you go back in time then that's your future and it's just like oh that's cool i dig i dig how you are you know backhanding it away it's fine but uh, I, I i i thought that was clever i hadn't heard that before well i thought it was also interesting how like the ancient one uh, explains the idea, uh, like, I think the ancient one does the clearest articulation of this film's theory of time travel, right? With she, whole, well, she like, has a visual as well, which yeah, is nice. Yeah, nice visual, super nice visual, right? Of like, yeah. hey, this is like the timeline, and by, every time you make a change, like, you're, you're fragmenting off us off into like a different time period. Um, hey, just because Christopher Lloyd had to use actual chalk and a chalkboard, 
and she got to use glowy bits hanging in the air. It doesn't mean that To be fair, he did say, please excuse the crudity of this model. I didn't have time to paint it or make it <laughs> right. to scale. That's true. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, so I, I, I thought the time mechanics were like, whatever. You can't think too hard about it, in my opinion, but... Uh, they at least did somewhat of a job of trying to explain what it was. <laughs> and then you get to go and revisit all these movies that they seemingly like reshot, right? Um, put like, car- like it filled it in with moments that uh, you didn't see when you saw it the first time from a different perspective. Uh, again, it's all those Dude, interstitial moments, right? All the in-between moments that you didn't see, right? The cleanup of Loki after the movie had ended, <laughs> of the first Avengers movie had ended. Yeah. Is just so it's so great that we saw the the like cleanup. It's it's, uh, it's awesome. Uh, but, well, not, not only that, Jeff. Like the Captain America Winter Soldier in the elevator scene, where like you, it's like the exact <laughs> oh. same dudes in the elevator, and you think like oh. you know what's going to happen, but it, when Frank Grillo, Frank Grillo's so happy. He's so happy. He's <laughs> but back. those guys walked out, and it was all the same actors, all the same actors. Like I was just like. <laughs> This movie is insane. And <laughs> and then he goes in and does the the cool like even inside wink wink nudge nudge to comic readers where he says hail hydra. Just it's just so freaking brilliant. Theater erupted by the way. It was just like yeah, it was yeah, like of course. The biggest laugh of the movie. Yeah. Oh, What's that? For me, uh, in my audience, I think that was the biggest laugh of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> Setting up for that big punch punch fight and just hail hydra and strolling out with it. Ugh. Yeah. Ugh. Very good. good. And then, he, well, then he ends up fighting himself, right? He, Which is an awesome fight. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty it's good. Also because he, he could never explain to his younger self, like the, the more like upright, uh, you know, do-gooder Captain America who did not see a uh, shield fall, like fall apart. Right. He like, of course he couldn't even explain himself to his past self. So his only conclusion is to kind of fight. And uh, I do love we get the uh, yeah th- that is America's ass yeah, yes yeah. very good very good well, even uh, even before that the the line that says everything you just said in shorthand is I could do this for hours yeah yeah I know, I know. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> and I like how like that whole mission basically doesn't uh, work uh, because <laughs> like Loki comes and takes the uh, the tesseract uh, I mean, by the way that at his feet Loki, that's gonna be a Loki tv show right yeah. isn't yeah, that yeah, what's yeah, happening yeah. Yeah, yeah so that's that whole thing uh by the way i love that they uh they did not let that original uh captain america costume uh go uncriticized because go back <laughs> and watch that movie now that movie looks awful at least the costumes <laughs> look terrible i think part of it captain part of it is at least intentionally cheesy i think i would say but you know uh, agreed that he has a much better, more sleek look today. Agreed completely. Well, well guys, like the uh, so the trailer for the first Avengers is something I use every week for my PC battery benchmarks. Uh, kind of drag drain batteries with it. So I see that trailer a lot. We have come a long way mm. since just that trailer. And what was that? 2012? 2011? Yeah. Like just the aesthetic of the movies has changed so much since then. So that's kind of one storyline. Then they go back in time because, you know, Loki takes the Tesseract and then who knows what that's going to happen with that. But then uh, they go back in time to get the Tesseract at an earlier point in the timeline. Right. Uh, Where 1970. Yeah. Tony and Tony has a chance to meet his father again. And that is really powerful because of everything we saw in Captain America Civil War. Right. We get a much deeper glimpse of his relationship with his father there and his father's untimely death. And, yeah, you know, I think you guys were talking about, like, how this movie is in some ways about parenting. Uh, and that part really, like, it, I, I had, I, I kind of thought I knew the universe of what might get me choked up in this movie when I walked into the theater. 
And that I did not see that gut punch coming with yeah. his father yeah. and like them like having this final interaction. Um, very reminiscent of Back to the Future, but it's kind of like this this interaction that like the father has no idea what's actually happening, um, but Tony does, and it's like kind of his way of of saying goodbye to his dad. Um, yeah, and okay. we saw him try to reconcile that in an elaborate hologram simulation uh, that he's built up where he actually can watch younger him and mm-hmm. have the conversation he wanted to have. And none of that worked. None of that gave him peace. And he actually gets to go back in time and have it for real. Like, it's yeah, yeah. perfect. Amazing. But by the way, kind of lack security in that government facility. <laughs> Just like, hey, dude, what are you doing? I've never seen you before. Yeah. What are you yeah, doing yeah, with yeah, the suitcase? Yeah. Uh, what, let me let me check out what's in your briefcase there. What are you taking away from this facility? Nice moment with Steve and uh, Peggy, right? Uh, in mm-hmm. the in the uh, kind of office when basically sets up the ending. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, like earlier on in the film, when he looks at Peggy's picture, I'm like, he hasn't done this in a few films. I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure he's going to end up with her in some way. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I really like the Peggy stuff and like the the loss of that whole life that he he was supposed to have with Peggy in some ways looms over this film uh, and is resolved by the end of it. So I really appreciated that. Uh, so that's kind of like one of the, the missions, right? Another mission <laughs> was like the Thor going back to uh, Asgard, getting one of the uh, stones from Asgard and then Thor encountering... And uh, Rocket Raccoon. Yeah, with Rocket yeah. Raccoon and and uh, encountering his mom, who has not died at that point. And <laughs> this is the only move, like this is the only thing in the world that has made me want to go back and revisit Thor: The Dark World. Seriously, watching yeah. this, and I was like, man, like I must have missed a lot in that movie. Uh, or if I had watched more closely or remembered it, this would probably be hitting me a little bit harder, right? Because I mean, uh, I even forgot about the Jane stuff. Like I remember, like there was some weird power thing happening, but I did not even realize that was going to be an Infinity Stone too. Yeah. Well, having just rewatched that movie pretty recently, <laughs> uh, I this surprised me more than almost anything else. Just like, you know, of all I mean, they are kind of doing like a greatest hits thing where it's like, oh, yeah, let's go back to like uh, the first Avengers movie with the Battle of New York. What, you know, everyone's favorite part are like the first Guardians and stuff like that. And also Thor, the Dark World. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's, it's such an unexpected choice. But what I found really interesting about this, uh, and and this happened a bit in some of the other storylines, but it sort of retroactively fixed problems with those movies. Mm. Uh, and so, like, I I don't think uh, Thor two is is like bad. I think it's fine. But like on you know one of the like I have a pretty low down on my like ranked list of the MCU movies, mm-hmm. but I uh, I think one of the the big problems with it is that it does have uh, a big death uh, with uh, Frigga, uh, Thor's mom, and yet she's barely a character. She and Thor barely have a relationship, and so it doesn't really land. Yeah, uh, like like it should be more significant than it is. And um and here suddenly now uh, six years later we have like a real relationship between the two of them <laughs> that I feel like now if I were to watch the dark world again which I probably yeah. will not do um I I would I would care more about her just because she actually like seems like more of a character based on this and uh and yeah it would just again such an unexpected movie to go back to and also just seeing them like uh, kind of imitating the uh, the different lighting style of the dark world mm. And uh, also, just Rocket Raccoon and Asgard. It's it's just fun. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they also call my rabbits. See, it's great. I was sad we didn't get to see a 
fat fat Thor versus old Thor mm. uh, oh, okay. moment, but uh, I guess it would have been a little redundant with the two Captain Americas yeah. fighting. And also, just to be clear, so Rocket Raccoon just went up and, like, injected Natalie Portman <laughs> yes. with this thing and yes. sucks the ether out of her. Yeah. yeah I'm I just like, was... was she conscious? Was she, like, asleep when this happened? <laughs> like, what happened? Unclear. Unclear, Patrick. Um, but, yeah, I, I agree that this part of him with uh, Rene Russo, it, it's, again, like, uh, kind of the, the idea of being able to have time with a parent that you didn't think yes. you would ever have again, right? It's like a very profound thought. And uh, this movie, I feel like, really nails that idea with both and- Tony encountering his dad and then Thor mm-hmm. encountering his mom and, like, being able to say to them, like, the things that you always wanted to say, but, like, you also can't really say it because you're traveling through time. <laughs> um, well, and, and again and again, the message is, this is in your hands now. Like, my generation is now passing it to you. It's in your hands now. You have to do something with it. And I think even, I mean, that is the message of this Avengers team, right? This is the end of this Avengers, you know, the classic Avengers. And they are quite literally, the themes of the movie reinforce this passing of the torch to the next grouping of heroes, the next you, generation You could say an entire final action sequence. Is that? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, the other kind of plot line where they travel back in time is to where the Guardians were, right? The Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. And it's pretty hilarious to like th- that the movie kind of takes the piss out of the-, the Guardians of the Galaxy soundtrack, right? <laughs> Which is that like if you see a guy just dancing to the music but you don't hear it, he, he looks pretty silly. I thought that was kind of uh, a fun little moment there with uh, Peter Quill. Uh, mm-hmm. And this whole thing with Nebula being – able to like be connected to her other past self i thought was interesting felt a little bit deus ex machina from a yeah um from a thanos side like if i'm thanos it's a kind of like a thing that saves me that uh, comes out of nowhere but it didn't feel completely unreasonable because we do know nebula is like partially machine um mm-hmm. so i, I did do, think they've never a... really talked about her like neural interface right, or right, anything so right. this was like a whole new level of it but you know if uh if we can have captain marvel finding tony stark in the middle of space i yeah. guess i guess we could give thanos his own deus ex machina I, agreed I, I agree with you devendra on that and uh but the the thing that i think is so brilliant about this movie is it, it, the, whole, the whole time i'm watching this i'm like how is thanos going to come back into the picture right? yes because they've yes. killed him off in uh, in the first 10, 10, 15 minutes, and then it's like, uh-huh. oh, it's going to be a past version who not only is the past version of Thanos, but knows more information than He's going to biff Thanos it up, does. but like backwards. Right, basically. like he knows more information, like he 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 can acquire all the stones in one go. He has go. the almanac, he has the sports yeah. almanac. He has the, yes. Yeah, he has the sports almanac, and he can go back and just get them all at once. Uh, and I thought that was like, wow, like what a brilliant idea of bringing back that character uh, back into the picture and make him more dangerous than before, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like that, just oh, uh, I, I really like that as a plot machination. So, uh, uh, appreciate all that stuff. Now, uh, we're we're about to get to like the final fight scene. But anything else you guys want to say about like this this kind of time travel sequence? Super fun, super inventive, great homage to Back to the Future. I loved it. A- any Are other we thoughts? gonna talk about the Soul Stone? Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. gonna talk about the Soul Stone as well. Because um, uh, that's where one of the two major deaths in yeah. the movie happens. The yeah. deaths that matter. But pretty shocking. Le- and pretty, yeah, pretty leading cool. up to that. The yeah, twist, the twist, the back and forth, the who's it going to be, the yes. the 
Oh, oh, that the last second it was it's gonna be. He- oh no, wait, there's even more of a last second. Oh wait, that <laughs> yeah. last second has a last second. It, yeah. it felt like the end of Mission Impossible Fallout, like yeah. uh, with the with the helicopter. But yeah, that entire fight, as as you know, silly as it can kind of seem, too, it is entirely rooted in character. These two noble people basically fighting over who will sacrifice themselves. Like that's what the fight is about: is who's gonna die. And yeah. I found that say, kind it definitely moving. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I honestly. Like, I liked this scene to a point, uh, but I I found it like them like you know like shooting exploding arrows and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Getting like I, I felt like it, it got a little comical mm-hmm. to a, a point where it shouldn't be because someone is like someone. I mean, Black Widow literally dies, and uh, and it I don't know. I I felt like it was staged a little bit awkwardly, and mm-hmm. you could accomplish the same thing maybe just having them fight. Uh, without the sort of the constant reversals and like the, you know, the the wacky gags of like, you know, like zapping, uh, zapping Hawkeye and then he shoots an arrow and and all this stuff <laughs> they happens. They didn't want to fight, right? They're not yeah. fighting each other. They're just racing to right. the finish line. I mean, like, I, again, I don't even need a fight. Uh, I, I, I just thought that it kind of like hurt the tone yeah. because it kept going back and forth to the point where like I, at least – um, my own personal reaction. I didn't find myself as moved as I should have been. And then we just kind of get like a bunch of like extreme close-ups on their faces. And um, I'm just like, I like the scene in theory. Uh, mm-hmm. I just don't love the way it was staged. I think it works for me because like we, basically the backstory between these two characters too, because we we see them kind of working together throughout the series, but the backstory is that they were like best buds, you know, best bud fighters or something, right? And this is who they are. They're soldiers when it comes down to it. So how are they gonna how are they gonna solve this argument, which uh, you know is a very important one, and clearly someone has to die. I guess uh, my my only issue with the scene too is that maybe maybe they could have done something else. Like maybe they could have figured out a way around this rather than so willingly go into the you know uh, do the thing the creepy skull face guy tells them to. Basically, <laughs> I think it had to be staged that way to some extent for a reason, Patrick, because what Red Skull says in the first uh, Infinity War right, is he says uh, that in order to take the stone, you must lose, the, lose that which you love. Yeah. And uh, so they, they kind of had to end with a situation where like one of them is like hanging on to the other character literally uh, or else like if it's just like Hawkeye running and jumping off, it would I don't think it would be as impactful. that's true. That's right, true. and yeah. I, and I mean, I, I'm fine with just you know the the hanging off part, yeah, like jumping at, like just jumping and grabbing, rather than like a kind of uh, exactly comedy of errors of like <laughs> who's gonna right, get, like yeah. I think we could have cut out like two of those reversals and still <laughs> yeah. got to the hanging off part, uh, where it'll accomplish the same thing, mm-hmm. but um, but without like like. Again, this is just my my personal reaction, but without like jumbling the tone as much as it did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, for me, what I liked about that constant back and forth surprise last second reversal was the meta thing that was going on in my head of going, "Who are they going to kill off here? Right. Yes. And, right. Yes. And who do I want them to kill off here? You yeah. know, like." What am I rooting for in this situation? One of them has become a cold-blooded murderer, and the yeah. other one is literally keeping you know the Avengers whole thing together on her own. Uh, it it seems kind of rough. Uh, the thing I was expecting, by the way, is uh, Hawkeye just to basically say like, "Well, I already have lost everything," and just jump off. Mm. And 
maybe that wouldn't have been as heroic for him. But I was half expecting well, that too. But the whole plan is that he will get back that which he lost. So that's the whole idea. That's right. why she wants to sacrifice herself right, right, is because right. he's going to get his family back if they win. I will say I watched this movie with my wife and she was really rooting for Hawkeye to die. Uh, because of you know all that he had become, and then so she got super excited when he ran off the edge, um, but then was, became brutally disappointed immediately after that. So, um, so uh, yeah, I think that covers all the stones or most of the stones uh, in terms of how they got them back, uh, and then we get kind of to the the final sequence. Well, Nebula is captured. Yeah, Nebula's captured, and now, right? And then yeah, like, and then we have fake Nebula, coming fake in, Nebula. Yeah. Which is really the same Nebula. It's just her at a yeah. different point in her life, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, free, free character arc. <laughs> yeah. Free character arc with uh, with Thanos and her sister. I guess all it took was yeah, removing that faceplate. I guess it wasn't <laughs> any harder than that. Uh, and uh, a lot of uh, cool things about the, this ending sequence that I really appreciate. Like one is that they had already set up in in the earlier in the film and also in the previous film that like wielding the gauntlet takes a ton of energy and using it in such a high-powered way can can be very damaging to who wields it right so they give it to hulk and, and like they consider him as like a good person to wield it um and there's this like crazy shot it's like the split second shot when he he uses it to bring everyone back and then like hawk you know he fall, collapses and hawkeye like kicks the gauntlet to the side and i'm just like oh like you do not want to. Do, you got to keep an eye on that thing, man. Um, <laughs> it's important. It's important. This yeah. does bring up bring up one thing that is. I know I've mentioned it before on the show, but it bears repeating. At least from my perspective, my biggest problem with the entire MCU. God damn! I hate nanotechnology. I uh, hate. Yeah, yeah. I hate the fact that the glove got bigger for Hulk's hand. It is a more <laughs> interesting, more fun choice. To, for Hulk to figure out how he can put it on one finger. You know, Jeff, when when you when you are waiting for your nano infused heart transplant, uh, you're gonna you're gonna love nanotechnology, all right? But I, I, think, I hate I every think, yeah. stupid yeah, yeah. shot where they <laughs> push a button and their costume changes into the time travel suit and their hat magically forms over their head. Oh, like please let's just agree that that's stupid. Five minutes right? of people pl- putting on all the clothes. Yes. Well, why, yes. why do you think that's like? Just articulate why. Like, I I can understand why. Like, it makes it because it is it is something from nothing. There is it's no. Kind of yeah, yeah. It is no. There is no. Like, if the same volume of matter had to go <laughs> from one thing to another, I'd buy it. Right. This so, is why I hate the Transformers movies. So you Trans- you you don't like it because it violates the first law of thermodynamics. Uh, <laughs> basically yeah. like what i loved i mean i've, I've said this in transformers reviews yeah, yeah, yeah. what i loved about the transformers cartoon and the transformers toys from the 80s is that this piece had to physically move over here to turn it into a robot because that's um, how matter works interesting yeah, we'll I, wait for we'll wait for you to become the arm please yes thank i you. think i think a more concerning issue with the nanotech is like tony Stark's suit is basically kind of like magic like it can it can yeah, do right. anything like Oh, right. it can generate Hate a shield. It. it can heal a wound in a body. It can cool down. Giant for, you know, bazookas. Giant yeah. bazookas appear <laughs> out of it for some reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm totally – I'm with Jeff here. I mean like look, uh, the Iron Man suit has never been cooler than it was in like the first two Iron Man. Yes. Man's. Right. Yeah. Agreed. When yeah. it's a physical thing, when it's yeah. a, a piece of machinery. Yeah. It has to, right. It actually has to be like be, be placed on him by robots. Right. That doesn't yes. just appear out of thin air. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. Like the suitcase 
version of it as well. Yeah. yeah. It's just more tangible. Yeah, yeah. The, thing, the, the shot in, in whatever Iron Man is might be two actually, uh, where he he's walking and the like the the ramp puts it that, on that's him. That's the first Avengers actually. Oh, it, it's mm. the coolest, dude. That's yeah. what I want Iron Man to be. It's a physical thing that needs to be. It's it's a suit of armor. It's not like magic paste that comes out of your butthole. You know, like. <laughs> <laughs> um. So. Uh, then, you know, like, what, ne- yeah, Nebula uses the sh- the time machine to bring back the ship, right? Did yes. they ever explain how she got the ship through the time machine? I didn't catch that. Um, oh, uh, I mean, she just uh, they used the pin particles to shrink it, right? Shrink it. Oh, yeah. Okay, so they sh- she figured out how pin particles work, I guess, through the she's very archive, smart through see. the archive of her mem- memories. Clever stuff. girl. Yeah. And then the ship freaking comes out of the time machine <laughs> and destroys the roof of the thing. It was like, oh that my shot, god, that Amazing. shot of just like was it reflected <laughs> in Hulk's eyes as he was just like laying down? It was like, yeah, it w- it is a great oh shit moment. Yeah. Oh, so good. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, yeah the, you know, the, the there is still difficulty left, and then obviously it sets up like the final battle where yeah, everyone Hulk, is like look to... underneath the rubble, holding it up with the mm-hmm. water on everyone. But before we get to all this, though, by the way, we do get the briefest moment of the birds coming back, life oh, coming back. Yes, you yes. need you need that moment because that is the tempo of this movie. Like, oh man, we did this difficult thing, and Hulk survived, and oh man, life is back. And yeah. it's cool too because it's. It's all life in the yeah. universe. Yes. It's bugs and plants and birds and shit. It's like <laughs> it's not just your friends down the street and your superhero buddies. It's all life went got cut in half. It's without a cool it, reminder. Yeah, without it, the world looks like the apocalypse, basically. And but it's, instantly it's back. But no, 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 no. But like yeah. there's also references in the movie about how great it is. It's, <laughs> it's legit. Like Thanos' plan actually kind of worked. They took there's like a scene in the early on where they're talking about how um, things are like the, the the sea is cleaner or yeah, something. Uh, whales and then the yeah. hospital, don't even fucking do this. Like, don't look on the bright side right now, dude, right. because uh, it, it, the cost of that. What did you lose to get whales in the Hudson? But it's basically. like a cool thing of like he's he was kind of on point on some of it. You know, he had a legit position. I don't know. I thought that was a cool Thing. I, I, by the way, Thanos's uh, whole argument has been thoroughly debunked on many online articles. So yeah. you know, you what know, also has been debunked: superheroes and <laughs> yeah. I, uh, there's a lot about this movie that's unrealistic. I would say, yeah, um, so yeah, just a just a little, a couple of things, a handful of things here and there. Um, so then this final fight sequence, and uh, I, I thought it was interesting. I did a you know I did a separate video talking about Endgame with uh, Ben Pearson from SlashHome.com, and he was saying how it was interesting, an interesting choice that the movie, uh, rather, like in the first movie of Avengers Infinity War, it's kind of like all the Avengers facing off against these faceless hordes of aliens, which I did not find to be super satisfying. Uh, and yes. this movie takes a different approach, right? So you have like this kind of intimate fight with Thor, Captain America. Uh, and Iron Man facing off against uh, Thanos. And then after that, you're kind of following the glove. Uh, mm-hmm. Just following the glove the whole time. You're not really, it doesn't really, it's not focusing on like the faceless hordes as much. Yeah, the baton toss of the glove. By the way, this this action sequence is entirely why, like, this works. There's dramatic stakes here. Everything kind yes. of makes sense, even though it's filled with CG monsters. Uh, in Infinity War, it definitely felt like all we got was the wave of CG monsters. Like that, that entire battle that happened on Wakanda didn't really matter until until Thanos showed up. 
and like did his thing. I don't know, dude. There's the the entire fight on whatever the name of that planet is. uh, That was good. With the thousand golden strands and everybody pulling on a different part of Thanos. Yeah, but that's also that's a very big intimate fight. I'm yeah. saying once you get to the, you know, countless numbers of aliens that look like whatever on Wakanda, and that went on so long, Infinity War, it just kind of didn't really mean anything because what really mattered was kind of was what happened when Thanos showed up at the end. Right. I, I mean, yeah. I, I think the issue with Infinity War is that, like, the, the fight on Titan, uh, Thanos' mm-hmm. homeworld, the stakes are really clear because they're trying to get a specific thing from him. Yeah. And then the fight on Wakanda, really all they're doing is just fighting these things to kind of like buy time to yeah. uh because like all that like uh because also Thanos isn't, isn't even there but they're just trying to get the stone out of the vision's head and so really th- th- this battle it's like th- the stakes aren't very clear because they're just fighting monsters for an indefinite period of time mm-hmm. until something can happen and uh so yeah so this worked a lot better because also like in this you know Thanos just sort of says, like, oh, I want to kill you all. It's not just, oh, let me get that rock. Mm -hmm. It's I actually want to, like, wipe out this planet. Right, right. Uh, And, of course, there's a big moment in that fight scene where uh, Captain America wields the hammer of Thor. Dude, dude. Yeah. Dude. Jeff, tell me your reaction to it. I I can't. Were you, were you crying? Were, were was, you like you, jumping up and clapping? I like, was crying this entire time. I mean, there, I, I cried hard when he, when he picks up the hammer and Thor goes, I knew it. Yep. Yep. And I, I cried super hard. I mean, I like burst down to like thick fat tears when, uh, he says Avengers assemble. That was like my heart burst. I cried when all of the women Yep. got together and and pushed forward out that that moment was emotional and amazing to me when just all the women heroes were like we're gonna do this for what it's yeah. worth my my wife turned to me during that scene and made the vomit gesture uh, because she <laughs> thought it was like she thought it was very like terrible pandering. pandering she thought it was exactly like the um just a girl scene from captain marvel Sure. Um, but, well, if know, the, but, uh, just a girl's song had come on, I would have felt the same. <laughs> all this was missing. It yeah. worked on me, man. Yeah, it, enough, I was in it to the point where when it, they all showed up, I was like, yeah, yeah. yes. I, uh, it, didn't even, it didn't really call it out. It was more like they just assembled together on their own and did their thing. And I think that was – on that level, it works, yeah. So uh, mm-hmm. it was a super cool moment again when like yeah. Captain America wheels like it actually took me a moment to figure out what was actually happening right like, yes because uh. it's like oh yeah like it does like you don't need to be Thor to wield the hammer right like you just also need another to be... Ultron payoff mm-hmm. right uh, tell me more right. about that Patrick. He picks it up slightly uh, oh yeah Ultron yeah, is... touches it right, yeah. uh, Ultron has the scene at uh, at the party where they're all trying to lift Thor's hammer and Cap does and there's like. Maybe a slight wiggle, like yeah. Thor yeah, raises wiggles, his eyebrow, yeah. and, and so that, finally, now, now we're left wondering. By the way, was he was he kind of just faking it too? Was he just like oh, I'm I'm gonna let Thor have his thing, or yeah, or just like is does, he does better the moment matter? Yeah, is he an honorable guy now because he's not just trying to be the Boy Scout? Like he actually has an under a better understanding of the injustices of the world or something. We'll be debating this for years. Yes, I, I also want to say I I know uh, Davindra, you've made a great case for. Uh, Robert Downey Jr. being the heart and soul of this movie, but I, I feel like I I doubted it when it happened, 
But thank God for Chris Evans. I think Chris Evans' performance as Captain America over the course of these films has been so perfect, so rock solid, and just embodying those ideals and making you feel something. And he, like, he really believes it. And and he does some amazing. I mean, we'll get to the end, end, end stuff that I think is quite good. But in this fight. Like him feeling it, him that moment where he his shield is shattered. It shouldn't have been able to even be shattered, but it is. And he still gets up and he's gonna keep fighting until the last breath is in his body. And then everyone comes out from the portals. It's like he, he sells all of that. Yep. He sells that nobility, that that Captain America, that I wish Superman in the movies was, you know, mm-hmm. since Christopher Reeve, we haven't had that. By the way, rewinding a bit, because I feel like we we get straight to the action and we're not talking about the quiet bits of this movie and the quiet bits. That is that is where this movie is strong. Just Thanos just sitting down and telling them, be like, go, go get me the thing. I'm tired. Like, just <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to chill over here. And then they just roll up on him and they're. <laughs> Like, I love that. They have that conversation. And Thanos lays out the stakes, too. Like, isn't that is that when he has the conversations like, you know, now I just I really want to destroy you guys. And also, I'm going to wipe out everything. I'm just going to rebuild the universe from scratch. Like, thank you for this. I think that (laughs) that really sets the stakes so much better. It makes Thanos a much scarier villain. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Rather than this, like, arbitrary, uh, let's just wipe out half the world, I guess, or half the universe. Yeah. Yeah, It really raises the stakes there. Yeah. So go ahead, Patrick. I was going to ask you guys, uh, yeah, what? Uh, how do you feel about Thanos as the villain in this? Because he doesn't really enter as the villain until like mm-hmm. halfway through the movie or so, and he doesn't have like you know quite the same kind of like master plan as he did in. I mean, he's he's literally a younger Thanos. Yeah, I I really liked it because the idea of like. I thought the first film did a pretty good job of setting up Thanos. That was one of the few things I thought the the Infinity War did really well was like setting up Thanos to be like a really threatening menace. And the idea of uh, time travel just introduces all these profound ideas. We talked about like (laughs) saying goodbye to your parents, like giving having one last chance to do that. And another profound idea is like this guy being on this quest for his entire life. And then realizing that there is a version of his future where that happens, and then now he needs to go and and actually make it happen before it's mm-hmm. stopped, right? Like that's uh, that, that's a profound thought that I think the movie brings to life really well when he's kind of talking with um, Squidward and Gamora and like. Uh, <laughs> uh, oh, hey! Don't Nebula. don't you disrespect Ebony Maw like that? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like when he's like he re- he has this realization like oh like in a f- in the future like I've won but like these people are trying to stop me from doing you know like and mm-hmm. it's just like wow. it makes him more of a radical like he's more radicalized he goes the full the full Thanos Monty I guess is like let's just reboot the universe let's turn it off and turn it back on again right. I guess it's, and that's his solution yeah yeah it's it's very like Agent Smith very yep. Anton Chigurh, um mm-hmm. of like it shall be brought to me and placed at my feet kind of thing mm-hmm. um uh, so I, I liked him but it, it's obviously a much smaller presence in this film than the last one how about you Patrick yeah, what do you I, think of Thanos um I again I just saw the movie so I'm I'm like <laughs> rapidly trying to like work out all my my reactions into like coherent statements um so I'm immediately I'm like a little bit mixed on Thanos in this movie and I think that might just be uh, like a result of the sort of like the MCU's long form storytelling because an interesting thing that I I noticed when revisiting all the movies in the span of like you know four days or so because 
you know, Feige has coined this 22 film uh, series, The Infinity Saga. And when you watch them all straight through, it doesn't function that way at all. Uh, like the weirdest thing that I noticed was that uh, Thanos is like um, if you just look at the movies and didn't look at uh, any news or or marketing or anything like that, Thanos is like a non-entity in the movies for a really long time. Like he literally shows up f- for like a, a few shots uh, in like post credit scenes, but there's no sense if. As you go through them, that like, oh, he's coming or he's doing something. Mm-hmm. He seems so disconnected from things until suddenly you get to Infinity War and it's like, oh, and, and, and now he's here. And they do do a good job establishing him, but I don't feel like this the thing really does play as much of like a an escalating buildup to him. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, but now he is sort of the ultimate villain of this whole thing, and. And this is something that I'm going to be thinking about for the next few days as I, like, continue to process my feelings about this movie. But I kind of wonder if this, if uh, Infinity War and Endgame would in some way be better served as a trilogy instead of two movies uh, and sort of in a way to uh, to spend more time with, like, the Thanos of this movie and actually make him more of more of a villain to be triumphed over although i do get that the the major victories in this are kind of like personal ones in terms of like where where the major characters get to but it but it's interesting after thanos was such a big deal and like hyped up by marvel you know pr for so long and now in this one it's really just he shows up halfway through the movie he's like a younger version of himself mm-hmm. And 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 there there isn't and because he hasn't even met these characters before, uh, there isn't quite the emotional weight um, to like defeating him that honestly that there even was in the previous movie. Hmm. Like, I, would like, like, I, I think that that's a, a kind of a narrow reading of the term the Infinity Saga. If you just think mm-hmm. of it in terms of setting up a villain and paying off that villain, I, I think it's the Infinity Saga because it's tracking where each of these stones is throughout this this universe, yeah, right? I, it's, I'd agree, yeah. Yeah, and yes, he is sort of hastily brought onto the scene at a certain point, and we're supposed to have believed that he pulled the strings. He caused Ronin to you know mess with the Guardians of the Galaxy and do certain things. And I think that's all, you know, obviously they were not thinking they were going to be able to even make these movies for quite a long time and then, you know, kind of retrofitting it in. But I think... The the Infinity Saga is how these stones led to this moment, how these stones created heroes, how they you know, brought all these characters to where they are when Thanos does show up. And I found him to be uh, impactful in his short stage time in this film because mm-hmm. of how he's able to go toe-to-toe with quite literally all of them at once. And like he, he's just such a potent force – and Josh Brolin does such a good job of like not twisting the 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 mustache, not um, overplaying and shouting all the time. It, it is just a confident. That's what makes him, I think, so terrifying. And, He's and, overconfident. I think that that is, by the way, I guess his downfall too, right? Because he thinks, oh, I know, I know everything now. I kind of know how the future is going to end. I know maybe he has a better sense of who these characters are too. Because I'm he inevitable. Has some details. Yeah, right. Yeah, I'm inevitable. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, I, like, I, I think Brolin's great, and I think he is obviously like a a great physical threat. Uh, but there is just like, I mean, like in the previous movie, that Thanos like had killed 
had like murdered Asgard, and mm-hmm. uh, and and like he had defeated more of a the Hulk. Con- you know, he'd done a lot of things that that exactly. I mean, to, By the way, it was a lot of things that were done really quickly at the <laughs> and, the first off, like five minutes stage. of Infinity Wars. Yeah, Asgard was right. off stage basically. The Hulk fight uh, was impactful, but was very fast at the beginning. It, like it was, I, but I'm, I'm just saying in give, this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just in this one. Uh, this Thanos doesn't really have an emotional connection to pretty much any of the yeah. Avengers. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and again, I'm just, I'm trying to sort through these thoughts right now, Yeah, but I, but I, I'm wondering if the, uh, at least for me, uh, this ultimate victory would have, would have hit harder. Uh, if, if there was that connection that the, the previous Thanos had had, yeah, Ryan, Ryan Martin in the chat room agrees with your point. He says the Thanos of Infinity War definitively won. He didn't even care that Thor killed him, you know? Um, yeah. And so it's it's definitely a different character. And I think the movie even comments on that when Scarlet Witch comes back and is like, you took everything from me. And he's like, I don't even know who you are. Like, uh, I, I can see your point, uh, Patrick. You know, I, I don't agree. And it seems, it seems like the rest of us don't really agree. But, like, I think it's a totally legitimate reaction to <laughs> the Thanos of this movie. We have, we have a ton more to get through. Um, so I think we should leave that there. But um, the huge battle that ensues, there's a lot of really great moments within it. Uh, Valkyrie riding a Pegasus. Uh, Tony Stark and Peter Parker reuniting again. Um, you think that Pegasus was hanging out on that island the whole time? Yeah, it was chilling. <laughs> totally. <laughs> Peter, I think Qu- just like... Go ahead. I was going to say, like, I think just the initial reveal of Doctor Strange's portals beginning to open and then more and more of them until they're just, they, the camera pulls back and it's just the this, this sea of portals as, like, the entire Wakandan army comes through, just like everyone is there. Like, I thought... I thought as someone who has knocked the Russo's visual storytelling yeah. before, I thought that was pretty elegant. Yeah, yeah so and, and to see that, like, it is everyone. Wasp <laughs> and freaking, you know, Pepper Potts put the armor on to hang out. You know, like, it, like the fact that it's just, like, everyone you have ever met in yeah. these movies. It's the Super Smash Brothers of yes. Avengers, basically. Yes. Um, but they there are so many iconic shots in this whole final battle sequence. And this, by the way, is where I really appreciated having that IMAX screen because there, there are more time portals there. There are like uh, the cliffs seem bigger. I think there's, there's a shot where it's like behind Captain America, him looking out over the distance of something like there are just so many great iconic hero moments that really sell the scale of everything that's happening. And I think that's, that's not something we always get to see in superhero movies. And I kind of love it when that happens. Having that scale in IMAX is certainly good, but I think they also just did it very well. Uh, it felt very comic booky in ways that we don't normally see in films, I think. I mean, much of this basically looked like a George Perez splash page. Totally. Yep. Just yeah. Just crammed with 100 characters. Like multiple times during this, I just thought like, I can't believe this is happening. Like, I, I can't <laughs> believe these are, they're all on screen at the same time. Like right. uh, if I went back in time and told myself in high school that this would happen, I would like, I would not believe myself at all. No way. No way. And I also love that, that, uh, that cap in this entire sequence, the, the muddy dirty cap looks almost exactly like a Brian Hitch drawing from the, Oh office. yeah, totally. Uh, and what, what are the defining characteristics of a Brian Hitch drawing? Um, Jeff, uh, read the mean, ultimates. He, yeah, he did the ultimates, which is sort of the inspiration, you know, the, he, he made, uh, Samuel Jackson, uh, <laughs> Nick Fury. You know he he put the he, chin strap on Cap's helmet. Yeah, yeah, and, and he he his art style, especially when it debuted in the 
I guess or very early two thousands uh, with these with these characters um, in the Ultimates was like, what if we cast a movie with these characters? He would draw, he would base characters on actual human beings and draw very realistic costumes and realistic looks, and um, you, you get there's a there's drawings of him doing Captain America that where he's dirty and that helmet is like perfectly fit over his face and just when chris evans stands up at one point all dirty like that i was like oh my god it's that come to life exactly so any other thoughts on this uh final fight before we get to the the end and obviously like the conclusion of the fight right yeah which is tony stark gets the gauntlet he snaps his fingers and uh, like delivers the I am Iron Man line before he does that in, in like but like when he did it in the first film uh, of Iron Man right he obviously it was full of arrogance and cockiness and th- kind of declaring it in front of the world and in this movie it's really kind of for himself for for Thanos mm-hmm. and uh, it is in a moment of making the ultimate sacrifice and I thought that was a great kind of yeah. full circle moment for him mm-hmm. um, I I have to admit and I hope you guys can give clarity here. I don't know what happened. Like I don't. I didn't catch the swap. Ah. Oh yeah. I so wasn't he, clear he, on how that worked exactly. At one he just point, re- he, like, he yanked the stones out. Yeah. Yeah. Or at one point he like switches gloves with Thanos. Basically, like he goes, he runs up to him and like either yanks the stones out or switches gloves. But you don't know them. for sure what he does. It's more Correct. of that nanotech stuff. Yeah, that's what that I thought. He's like, <laughs> does he actually swap out gloves? Right. With yeah, no, or... no, it, it is an Iron Man glove. Like, it was not the Infinity Gauntlet. Like, he just, he... No, I know. The, it was, no, no, he, he, Thanos, Thanos was, was wearing on... the Iron Man glove, right? And then I know. He, really? Okay. Yeah, and then he goes up and, like, either swaps his own Iron Man glove with you Thanos. You can't say either. Yeah, this is right. what I'm. This is what yeah. I'm asking. Is what what happened? Like the, yeah. I understand. I understand the concept of what he like. Yeah, he right. swaps it, but I want to know specifically if yeah. you were, it was clear to you how that was accomplished. No, not no. not super clear. Nope. Super yeah. Clear. Yep. Yeah. Yep. That's so, a problem. Um, but uh, snaps his fingers and then like Thanos' old army disappears and like that is pretty satisfying. I have to say, um, because I found Thanos to be like a very hateable and formidable character, and to see him finally defeated uh i thought was awesome in his own way i thought yeah, was in nice. his own way in his Sit own way down. hoisted oh. by his own infinity gauntlet um, <laughs> by his own snapster yeah yeah, yeah. so uh, I, I i do think by the way the, the glove thing was the nanotech like because they the gloves can <laughs> kind of like communicate and like yeah take yeah. shit from each other yeah. i just feel like no, you that love it have been super clear yeah. Right, we no, should all enough. know exactly yeah. how that happened. Yeah, fair enough. Don't. Fair enough. Um, I, I thought it was still pretty impactful, regardless. But um, oh, it was impactful. I'm not. I'm not saying I wasn't bawling, but uh, <laughs> yeah. And then I, he kind of has this goodbye, right, with Pepper and with Peter dude, Parker. That part killed me when she she says his line back to him. Yeah, we're gonna be okay, dude. I mean, come on. Like as a uh, as a parent, it fucked yeah. me up. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, very powerful moment. And then, kind of the rest of the movie is dealing with the fallout of that and uh but also yeah hammers it i guess the video afterwards i think first of all the death is bad enough right yeah. and then we get his hologram yeah. speech and it's just like uh that i was definitely on the verge of tears before and it was like <laughs> it's like damn it yep. okay yep. i right. really had to just drive it home yep. uh there's a scene where like the camera is like going past all these characters right this one shot when they're at my the lake shot house. The movie. My favorite um, shot in the entire movie. Extremely expensive shot, too, because, like, they, they got, I mean, they had to get, like, all they the They got actors. Kobe Smelters, guys. Guys, they got yeah. Ty Simpkins. Ty yeah. Simpkins. Yes. 
Ty Simpkins. So there's the camera pauses at this like kind of lanky teenager at one point, and everyone in the theater that I was at was like, "Who is that?" And it is the child from Iron Man three. For those who don't, oh, I applauded. Yeah, <laughs> I, I will say um, he was very fidgety though. It's like yeah. stand still. Or it's it's a solemn moment. There, there is a moment. There is a moment when uh, like, one of I the kids. Yeah, th- mm-hmm. there, there is a moment when one of the kids uh, that's in that scene looks directly at the camera, <laughs> and I, I felt like, oh man, like they, they, got, they probably did like kids? ten takes, and like that was the best one. Right? They didn't have a digital yeah. eye replacement. For that I kid. don't know why they didn't change it. They changed so much else in these movies. They didn't change. It'll the be kid fixed on the Blu-ray. Yeah, yeah, it'll be fixed by home video. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. Patrick, what were you gonna say? Oh, sorry. I, I just uh, about this shot. Um, I was wondering if this was sort of uh, like whether like an homage or just uh, just kind of like like borrowing the the last shot of Schindler's List. Huh. Mm. Little... You know, what, like the the long line of people putting the stones on his grave. Hmm. Uh, I, I did this... not make that connection, uh, but uh, th- that was immediately what I thought of because they are kind of in a line as uh, as we kind of go through all of them, and um, and yeah, just instantly I just thought thought of the Ender Schindler's list. Hmm. It's an extraordinary display of what they have put together for these for yeah. this universe. Yeah. It's like look at the talent that we wrangled for this thing yeah look at what the last 10 years look at what we've done look at all these people look <laughs> uh, good. yeah yeah, yeah. Divinger, I, I love the say. very yeah the end of that scene by the way or i did, yeah right after that it is john favreau talking to tony stark's daughter and oh. that that is the moment that killed me like yeah. i was i was on the verge of tears and like the cheeseburgers and i'm gonna get you all the cheeseburgers you want i think that was the line or something like that yeah. he's gonna take care of her because he he helped usher in this entire family in the first place too. Like it is, that was damn moving. Yeah. So then the uh, final sequence. The movie still has some tear jerkers to deliver. Uh-huh. Uh, final sequence. Captain America goes back and returns the, the stones. Uh, really curious how that went down. You know, like when he uh-huh. got back to Vormir. Uh, and like the Soul Stone, you know, was delivered. He's like, "Hey, can you maybe bring Natasha back?" Nope. Um, <laughs> What what is Red Skull even doing when the stone is gone? You know, like I have all these questions about Vormir, basically. Um, but uh, yeah, also, why is Red is Red Skull stuck there forever? Yeah, like, oh, he's yeah. just chilling. It's stuck there. When the yeah. stone is gone, he's just chilling there doing nothing. Is that what you know? Like he's just wandering the earth. A fate worse than death. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, uh, and then he's sitting there going, "Does anybody want to know how this the the deal that you strike to get us nobody <laughs> i'm here to tell you about the deal that you need to strike with the stone you must lose a soul yeah. for a soul anyone okay he anyway. needs a podcast that's what <laughs> really i have needs. one fact i need to relay <laughs> so uh cap america goes back in time um and just stays back in like ages um mm-hmm. and then presents the shield to falcon right did you guys expect that coming by the way when, yes yeah. when I, he, like, you yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, like, um, when we had the when he saw Peggy uh, yep. in yep. 1970, uh, the thought crossed my mind of like, you know, like this would be a nice ending for him. Mm-hmm. And um, and also I will say, so uh, when I did, I rewatched all the movies as research for these videos, um, pretty much all of them I hadn't seen since theaters. And um, I uh, on this rewatch, like liked the the first captain america so much more than i remembered it's He's in so my good. yeah yeah it's in my top 5 mcu movies and uh and as much time as these movies spend with like steven bucky 
I care more about Steve and Peggy's relationship than just about any other relationship in this series of movies. Did you watch Agent Carter, by the way? I did. Yeah. yeah. Also, also, we got James Darcy in yes. like in like one shot, and I was so happy to see him. <laughs> I but yeah, but yeah, but finally, uh, you know, bringing back the the relationship that I think really matters in Steve Rogers' life. Yeah. And I'm ending on that note. Uh, that was. For me, that was the biggest payoff of this entire thing. It's so it's so fitting because he just he what does he have left in the modern world? Really, right? Like they they saved the universe. Um, the the world's probably going to be fine. He knows uh, Captain Marvel's out there. He knows like there there's a whole batch of superheroes who can help. Uh, his time to yeah reclaim his life, I think, in a way is he's earned it. If anyone's earned it, he has. Yeah. 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 I, I was also really wondering if they were I kept expecting, um, you know, after he like did the jump into time, I was so sure Hawkeye was going to to quote point break and walk away and say he's not coming back. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I think uh, Davinder, were you the one asking the question about like, do you see that coming? I definitely saw the Agent Carter thing coming. Uh, mm -hmm. Didn't see the Anthony Mackie taking on the Captain America shield coming though. Um, oh yeah, and, yeah. Because like I'm curious like how that's gonna work because he doesn't have like powers, right? Um, uh, so it's been done in the comics. Yeah, yeah. How, how did they figure that out in the comics? The fact that he doesn't have powers though. I mean, he has uh, a really strong shield in a jetpack. There's a lot you can do with that. <laughs> yeah, right? because um he keeps the wings, uh -huh. so he's Captain America with wings mm -hmm. and a shield. Got it. There you go. Got it. There right. you go. Yeah. And by the way, uh, Mjolnir, uh, not back. Another thing. So, or what was it? The the hammer. Was, was yeah. That... Are we gonna get? Is, does Guardians three have Thor in it? Huh. I think so. Yeah. That sounds so fun. He left also, with the hammer and came back without it. That's all yeah. I know. Yeah. Also, the, the whole new um, Gamora dynamic. Yeah. She's Which not, the same she's, person. She's she not in love different... with him. Yeah, 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 he has to win her the, back the Mjolnir, again. The Mjolnir thing, I thought he was bringing the Mjolnir back to Asgard. Oh, uh, maybe like, that's it. Like, maybe that was yeah. Because Thor took the hammer from Asgard, and then, like, I think he was bringing it back um, to not change the timeline too much. Uh, that's know. true, that's yeah. true. He had to have brought it back. Yeah, yeah. Like, there was, no, there was no way to outdo that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, it was, it's a lovely moment when he, you know, he reflects on his life and he's like, it was beautiful. And you, you see that like after all this fighting and, you know, things, drama with Bucky and killing dudes and everything, like this guy finally got to have a break and, uh, and meet the love of his life again. And that's like, again, another really profound thought that time travel brings with it. Yeah. And, uh, and, and the, the fact that all of this, 22 movies leading up to this, the last shot is Steve Rogers and Peggy dancing. Yeah. Loved it. Not what yeah. we could have, not what we would have seen coming necessarily. Right. No, it is. The was. I'm sure there's a ton of fan fiction written about just that. And it is, it is perfect for me too, because I've, I've watched agent Carter. I, I think the Peggy story was fantastic and they just didn't do much with her in the movie. She kind of appeared in the first one. Uh, and she died in, was it in civil, civil war? war? And yeah. she's just very old in yeah. Winter soldier. Yeah, I think, um, uh, you know, so great ending, which is then followed by like a fairly baffling credit sequence. Um, <laughs> the where, signatures. Yeah, where the, the no, signatures because are fine. The, them, the signing, that team is done. It's over. Yeah. No, 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 no. That part is fine. But it's just like even the, before the yeah. people that they chose to include is like really weird. It's clearly like the result of like Asian, uh, agent 
negotiations. Because uh, there's people who are like credited and get that big moment who have no lines in the film, right? Yeah. So it's, it's just kind of like people I've seen some critics are like, that is like so confusing why yeah. those people are named in that way. Also uh, like bafflingly like constructed too because it's like ugly. It, aren't, aren't those shots like out of – Yeah, they're like out of focus. In the back. It's, it's a weird – It's not great. It's just weird overall. It's weird overall. It's like, also, well, and it's footage from like previous yeah. movies. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, uh, but I, I, I like what they were trying to do, which is like use the credits to bring this whole thing to an end, which is close to where we are now on this podcast. Well, talking about you should also podcast. just say quickly, I, I personally was sitting there going, I actually don't want a post credit sequence. Yes. Yeah. I, I was yeah, sitting yeah. there in the audience like, I'm going to sit here. I'm going to wait. And I'm going to see if they're going to tease me some Spider-Man. But I don't want to. I want this to be punctuation mark i want this to be the the end of a sentence let it not have it for the first time let there not be a so-and-so will return let it just be closing the book and they did and i'm just i was so, so grateful for that little thing was there there was a sound because i say oh, oh, i thought it was, gonna, it was a tink tink yeah. tink and i thought it yeah. was going to be uh, morgan stark in the in the garage building an armor yeah. No, I think oh, it, yeah. I think it was very clearly meant to be Tony Stark in the cave, kind of forging the first Iron Man suit. That's my. Oh, but it would have been cool to have it be Morgan Stark in the garage. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. So, but I, um, when that yeah. happened, or like when we were like exiting the theater, a guy in the row behind me, I just heard him say, "Well, now to spend twenty hours on the internet finding out what that clanging was about." <laughs> <laughs> well, I just cracked it wide open for you, Patrick. Yeah, I think Patrick, I think it it's was an your om- job. Yeah. We need we need a video about this. I think yeah. it was an homage no. to you know their their beginnings of like forging the Iron Man suit, but also like forging the franchise. And I, I thought it was a, a nice yeah. subtle move. But people who are mm-hmm. expecting a post credit scene. Will feel disappointed. And, and, there there yeah. should be article. There should be PSAs everywhere. Like go pee, just go pee. Yeah. Don't yeah, sit yeah. through the credits. Don't even sit through the. Uh, well, uh, I'm sure people will want to see like the video bits, but yeah. not even worth it, really. All right. Well, um, I mean, we've been going for two hours. There's probably more we could say next week. There'll probably like there's not going to be a normal slash filmcast episode next week. There's probably going to be a uh, further deep dive into Avengers. So stay tuned next week to hear what that's going to be. Um, and actually, I should point out, this episode's recording early, so like next week there's going to be no episode. The week after is what I'm talking about. Um, All right, yeah. But uh, yeah, there's going to be more Avengers talk uh, on the next episode of the Slash Filmcast, I predict. Don't know exactly what form that's going to take, but uh, uh, we are not done talking about this movie because there's just so much to discuss. But uh, yeah, this has been really fun, guys. I, I appreciate yeah, uh, the I conversation, agree. and I'm glad we got to go through a lot of this MCU journey together. Um, Definitely, so, yeah. Dave, like you and I, we were sitting like lives ago, lives ago in Massachusetts watching the first Iron Man. Yeah, we, I think we saw the first Iron Man together. I yeah, we did. True. We yeah, did. We so. saw it uh, in Hadley, Massachusetts, right mm-hmm. near our college. And you were visiting and you were, I think, in school at the time, like in grad school. Yeah. I was still working in IT. Like our lives were completely different. Things have changed. There are new humans in our lives now. Like it's it's so different. But yeah, I, it, it, it was fun going on this journey, guys. Yeah, it's been fun. I, it's been fun. W- one last little point I, to that end. I am of a generation of comic book readers, I think, that uh, sort of like the, the peak was that like late 80s, early 90s, you know. And I, I feel like the, the, the people in control of the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe – are kind of of my generation, right? Like the the Infinity War was, or the Infinity Gauntlet, and then the Infinity War was kind of like the defining 
crossover of that era that felt huge and impactful and cool. And these versions of these characters were that. And I feel like people my age and a little older are now parents, you know, and I feel like that is reflected in this movie. And that is, it's really about, uh, coming to terms with that childhood thing and love and then sort of moving into the next stage of your life and then giving it to the next generation. And I'm so curious what this means for the MCU as a whole. We know a lot of the characters that are going to persevere, but you know, Patrick, you kind of indicated that there's, there's tendrils of young Avengers and there's a lot happening in the comics that is young and youthful and different and vibrant and diverse. And I wonder if the MCU is going to have the courage to go there as well. I, mm-hmm. I think it's going to be a very interesting transition now into new possibilities. And I think after the success of into the spider verse too, like I'm sure they want, they want to reflect that more like where this, all this is going. Yeah. Any closing thoughts, Patrick? Um, yeah, I, I'm just going to say, so a thing that, if you watch my videos, uh, I, I sort of, I talk about at length uh, how one of my big frustrations with the MCU and all of these movies is just a lack of real change and growth and consequences uh, just through the movies. Uh, they very much have the uh, the sort of the illusion of change concept that Stanley coined in the 60s. And, um, and this is one of... One of the first ones uh, to really just to give me that uh, that change and that that feeling of, like of actual consequences and a, a a real new status quo, not just like a, you know, shield going away, but it not mattering like that kind of thing. But I feel this feels like an actual meal. Uh, like I feel full in a way that I, I haven't after. Uh, a lot of Marvel movies, even if I've enjoyed them, and uh, and it, it, it's satisfying in a way that uh, that I hoped it would be, but but didn't really expect it to be. So yeah, I'm feeling pretty good. Awesome. Well, I'm glad that even if you never make that next video, Patrick, I, I have the, the end of the video in my own head canon, and that's most important. <laughs> so, um, Patrick, this has been so fun. Thank you so much for joining us. Where can people find more of your work on the internet? Uh, yes, you can uh, watch the videos that I wouldn't shut up about uh, at my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Patrick H. Willems. There's lots of other videos about movies and all that sort of stuff. And uh, I've, I've actually very related to this. Uh, I have I have a podcast called The Infinity Podcast that is sort of about pop culture through the lens of the MCU because it's this giant juggernaut that consumes everything and uh i'll be talking more about endgame there but with like way more tangents and uh that i'm sure will be very frustrating to a lot of people who just want us to stay on topic but anyway uh that's that's everywhere you can get podcasts and i think that's pretty much all i've got for now cool uh how about you jeff canada well, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Jeff Kanata, which is spelled with two N's and one T. Uh, I do a video game podcast called DLC, which you can find uh, anywhere you get podcasts or at 5x5.tv slash DLC. And I just started a brand new project. I am dungeon mastering a live play Dungeons & Dragons game. And it's not just any Dungeons & Dragons game. It is uh, crazy. We have a full animatronic mind flayer puppet 
that talks to the audience. We have giant models. We have this incredible set. We had our first episode on Wednesday, and we will be every Wednesday night uh, for the foreseeable future at 6 p.m. Pacific time. Uh, that is on Caffeine at caffeine.tv slash The Dungeon Run, which is the name of the show, The Dungeon Run. We'll also be on YouTube and as an audio podcast, uh, so stay tuned for links to those. Devinder Hardwar? Oh, Jeff, I'm really looking forward to checking out that show. I Thank miss you. gaming, so I love hearing people just go through those things. You can find me on Twitter at Devendra. I write about tech at Engadget.com. I'm also doing a tech podcast at nomoretech.net. That's no with a K. Find all my stuff at DaveChen.net. Uh, making a couple of YouTube videos per month at YouTube.com slash DaveChensky. That's Dave Chen, S-K-Y. Uh, we, there will be no episode of the Slash Filmcast next week. Um, because we will be off, uh, and we recorded this one early. The week after that, uh, there's probably going to be more Endgame talk. In what form, I'm not sure, but I have a feeling there's going to be a Slash Film Daily crossover for that one. Find more episodes of this podcast at SlashFilmCast.com. Email us at SlashFilmCast at gmail.com. This episode was produced by Baby Zhang. Thanks for listening to the show. We'll see you later. I'm Piers Linney. Join me for Rethinking Business, a new podcast series brought to you by NatWest. Let's face it, the path to business success is rarely straightforward. That's why in this series, we're hearing from businesses who are thinking differently. My guest this week is Freddie Garland, founder of Freddie's Flowers. I think having someone who is able to advise you is critical. It's essential to have a a good sounding board for when you've got a question. That's Rethinking Business by NatWest. Subscribe now.